Hey, it's me, Colin, your beloved co-host of Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. I wanted to take a moment to thank you for downloading our show and for supporting us. If you like what we do, consider telling a friend or leaving us a nice review on a podcast service of your choice. And if you really like us, like really, venture on over to Patreon and subscribe to Colin's Last Stand. Doing so gains you access to the weekly Sacred Symbols supplemental podcast we call Sacred Symbols Plus. And you can also get ad-free access to every standard episode of the show, like the one you're listening to right now, three days earlier than the public. Other perks include submitting your inquiries and thoughts to be used on the show, and you can even determine some of the games we record Let's Plays for. I'll be frank, Colin's Last Stand's Patreon is a bonanza of value. And hey, we have merch too, so check it out at tinyurl.com slash sacredshirts. So consider showing your support if you can or even want to. But hey, if you want to just keep listening like you are right now, that's cool too. We love you either way. Enjoy the show. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. This is episode 68. My name is Colin Moriarty. I'm joined as always by my baby boy, Chris Raycon. Chris, <laughs> we saw in the elevator ascending to my apartment here in Santa Monica, there was a man about my age, probably in his mid-30s, wearing the one of those straps with a baby in front. Yeah. And I was saying to him and to you, that would be fun for me to have that for you, that I could carry you around in one of those, perhaps if we ever go to PAX or PlayStation Experience in the future. <laughs> you said, you said I, should, I should get one of those for you, and I looked over and it was like, a baby? <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair, I mean, I wasn't, it was a vague thing to it say. Felt like something, it felt like something like someone would write. Right. That, that particular moment. But I would love to have you strapped to me. It's kind of like mini me strapped to Doctor Evil and Austin Powers. You yeah, know, they have the same thing. You're not nearly as small as no. Vern it would be Troyer, a little bit awkward. Late Vern Troyer. It would be awkward. But like, I mean, hey, you know, your butt would kind of be rubbing against my crotch, actually. So it might yeah, be it'd a, be a bit of a problem. Yeah, it would be a little bit, a bit of something. Chris, Sacred Symbols is a PlayStation podcast, of course. You can listen to it every week on free feeds if you'd like. But if you want it three days early and ad free, support us on Patreon at Patreon.com/slash Collins Last Stand. That's also how you get exclusive episodes of our podcast, Sacred Symbols Plus, which we put out every week, which is supplemental conversation surrounding our show, and also the ability to submit your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas. Now, right off the top, Chris, Sacred Symbols Plus this week, later this week, I think it'll be Sacred Symbols Plus episode 11, if I recall. I use Roman numerals to number it, which annoys people, and it's an, it's now confusing <laughs> me a little bit, even though Roman numerals are really not that complicated. And so this week's, and I wanted to talk about this right at the top because we've yeah. gotten a lot of questions and comments and, and whatever inquiries about this is the Hong Kong, China, mm-hmm. Communist China, Blizzard, Activision, the NBA, whoever else, uh, this whole thing going on with Western companies investing in, in Communist China and what that means and what they can say and how that affects them. I feel like this is something we should talk about and we're going to talk about it. We're going to dedicate Sacred Symbols Plus to it this week. But I feel like it's got to be an opt in conversation. I was talking to Chris a little bit about this over text. And when he got here today, it's not that we don't have a firm position. My mm-hmm. firm position is, you know, fuck the communists. Uh, it's, yeah. I'm glad to do business <laughs> in China and take as much of their money as possible. Um, but we don't have to support their way. They have concentration camps full of Muslims in the eastern or in the western part of the country. Obviously, Hong Kong and Taiwan are a problem. Facebook and Twitter are not even legal in China. There's a lot to say about it. But I think the overarching, robust conversation about what's going on must be opt in. And the reason I say that is because I know a lot of people listen to the show and don't want to hear it, regardless of the, you know, regardless of the the, the tenor, let's say, of the conversation. I, I just feel like people have to be able to opt into that conversation because a lot of you listen to the show to not hear about the day, the daily doldrums. 
yeah, exactly. of politics. And this is obviously a crossover of great import since Activision Blizzard is one of the great companies, one of the biggest companies. I don't know if you want to call them one of the great companies, but one of the biggest companies in gaming and they have significant Chinese investment. We were yeah. also talking about Bungie, which mm-hmm. is, I think, majority owned by a Chinese company now. So there's a lot to discuss. But I know that some of you don't want to hear it. I know that some of you don't care. Maybe some of you, if you're communist sympathizers, maybe some of you take the other side of the argument. That's perfectly fine. Mm. Uh, if if you want to be a communist sympathizer, uh, is that does that all make sense, Chris? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, it is definitely relevant to the game sphere, though, because it is so heavily entrenched. And it's it's not the NBA is such a small part of it now. You know, I feel like the bigger part is the Blizzard thing and like you know all these investments going in and out. So it's not it's not irrelevant. Right. It all started because of Hearthstone, which is a game that's not even on PlayStation platforms. But again, this is going to now go to Overwatch, which is a PlayStation game and others as well. And like Chris said, the NBA was kind of the canary in the coal mine. What happened with the NBA in the end and Houston Rockets and all of that. And then the the Brooklyn Nets owner, who I think is a Chinese national, spouted some bullshit and all this. So we have a lot of things to talk about. But just two things off the top. Like, I understand some of you don't want to hear it. So you can opt in. Sacred Symbols Plus. We'll put up a thread and we'll drive the conversation with your inquiries. So I hope we hear lots of different perspectives. We will air as many of them as we can. And I just wanted to let people know that we're, well, I'm seeing, Chris doesn't really read them. But when I put the show together, I'm seeing your inquiries about this. We're just not going to include them in the regular show. Yeah. So look forward to an hour, maybe even more about all of that. In the future, I think we have much to discuss there. I mean, this is it's a very similar thing, Chris, as to why I wanted my T-shirts made in America and yeah. why I went way out of my way to make that happen is because if you could, if I can put my money where my mouth is, then I'm going to do that. But I don't have a major investor in China and I don't have an investment in China because no one in China can use Patreon, for instance. Right. <laughs> yeah. The question would be like, well, what if I did? What if like the NBA, I got 18 percent of my revenue from China? Then what? Mm-hmm. Eh, it's an interesting question. It is. That, you know, of of totalitarianism colliding with capitalism. So we hope you look forward to that. But I wanted to be clear about that. We do have opinions. They're pretty vociferous, but vociferous. I didn't want to make you sound like I was saying vociferous. That's not a word. Yeah. And uh, that's all we'll say about it for now. Mm hmm. Chris, people have been leaving us really nice reviews on podcast services. We very much appreciate that. If you listen, it's, it's awesome. It's great. You're really helping us climb up that algorithm. I do think we're being weighted down by the fact that we are an explicit podcast. Mm. And I don't know if you saw the comments that I put up last week uh, <laughs> from YouTube. They were pretty funny. I did. Yeah, you know, it was like the nobody colon. And then Colin, let me tell you about my gigantic dick, which is, of course, from our <laughs> which is, of course, from our Manscaped ad that people really enjoyed. So thank you for that. But thank you for leaving us nice reviews on podcast services. We appreciate that. And remember, you can buy merch, including Made in America T-shirts over at tinyurl.com slash Sacred shirts, I want to say, I think it is. And by the way, you can just go to collinslaststand.com now because I had that built by uh, some other people. Oh. Where I'm going to give them uh, their accolades next week because uh, I want to make sure everything's finalized first. But they were really great. Mm. And the site is great. It just points you to everything you know, that's relevant. That's it's good germane. to have a hub. I agree. I agree. Chris, I want to at the top before we... It's not really the top anymore, I guess, but... Uh, Gio Corsi is a good friend of mine. He works at PlayStation. He's one of the guys in charge of their second party stuff. He's working on games like Predator. And uh, uh, Gio, I met for the first time, I don't know, five or six years ago. He was a big Vita evangelist. People might recognize him from being on stage for Vita stuff at PlayStation Experience and whatnot. We became really good friends and really close. And he and I share a bond in that he has two Boston Terriers and we obviously have Lola. And this past weekend, one of his Boston Terriers, Laverne, passed away. Uh, mm. and, uh, so I actually just shot him a card in the mail. It's Columbus day. We were talking about, I didn't know we actually 
celebrated Columbus Day. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that either. It was closed, so I had to drop it in the mailbox. Who knows if a homeless person's going to get these cards now or if they'll actually get sent to their rightful destination. But I wanted to give Gio uh, just my love and his wife, Michelle, my love and our love at the very top. He's a listener of the show. He's a Patreon producer of the show. And uh, he's a big shot of PlayStation. And above all that, above all that, he's my friend. And I know how much that dog meant to him. And it's incredibly sad. And when I saw that this weekend, you know, a lot of people I tweeted, I tweeted back at him, but I didn't want to text him because I felt like that wasn't personal enough. You know, when something so I yeah. sent him a card and and wanted to give him a shout out on the show. So everyone give him some love. Geo, of course, he's a good dude. Everyone in the PlayStation community knows and loves Geo. And uh, we're keeping Laverne in our thoughts. And uh, she's now in doggy heaven. If you believe in that sort of thing. Hmm. I think it's more likely that dogs go to heaven than people go to heaven. Yeah, I probably. Could, I could believe a situation where there is no heaven with humans in it. There's it, probably just all animals. Right. Because they, they just, do they, they lack the <laughs> the understanding to know what's morally wrong. They have no consciousness. Yeah, right? exactly. No self-awareness. Lola doesn't. I mean, you've seen Lola. Yeah, she has no idea. She has no idea. And I, we don't have to get any deeper into it than that. She just has no idea. I mean, when I was walking her today, she was she pees on everything. But it's amazing how much she holds back so yeah. that she can continue to pee 20 or 20, <laughs> literally 20 or 25 times. Saving ammo. That's something. Chris, since we talked last week, there has been just a little bit more about PlayStation 5. Because we were talking about PlayStation 5 last week and it was kind of in the heat of the moment, I just wanted to verify the specs as PlayStation has revealed them in their Japanese language press release. Because Of course, that wouldn't be available in English. Why would yeah. that be available in English? So here's the Japanese fact sheet. Here's what it says. It says custom AMD CPU x86-64 AMD Ryzen Zen 2. I guess that means something to someone. Eight cores <laughs> and 16 threads. I guess that also means something to someone. GPU is also AMD Radeon RDNA-based graphics engine, 3D audio output, not a huge surprise, up to 8K resolution for games only. Uh, and it said in quotes, designed to achieve compatibility with PlayStation 4 titles, end quote. This is that what we were... That worries me, that quote, that way that's worded. We talked about this a little bit last week. Rumor is, is that they are not achieving yet full backwards compatibility on PlayStation 5. I don't know how that's possible since this seemed to have been baked in from the very beginning. So we'll see how that works. Uh, PSVR will work on the console. Half the controller with adaptive triggers and the Ultra HD Blu-ray is the physical uh, disc with 100 gigabyte capacity. So I wanted to throw that all out there so people know. And Marcel wrote into us on Patreon, like you guys can at patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand. Some people are a little annoyed about our technical uh, knowledge. Yeah. So I wanted to throw this out here as well, just to be fair. Marcel doesn't really, isn't, you know, he wants to educate us. I mean, that's what he says. Hey, CNC, I just wanted to clarify something and educate you a bit. I'm always down to be educated. So Sony did not literally say that the SSD will make the game smaller. So this returns in last week's uh, conversation pertaining to graphics and yeah, and the SSD and assets that's and in all the that. PlayStation. So we talked a little bit about that, and this was on Sacred Symbols Plus particularly. He said, but what they did say is the following, including explanation. Usually in programming, you follow a don't repeat yourself pattern and try to reduce redundant code. Therefore, if you need to get something similar done multiple times, you need to get something. Uh, I'm sorry. You would write a loop that just executes the same action multiple times, maybe with different input parameters instead of just copying, pasting the code lines. This way, if you have to change anything about the repeated action, you have to change it only once and not once for each copy and pasted line. Also, Modern hardware is optimized for this kind of processing. So consequently, in games, the ideal method for rendering identical objects that are needed multiple times, like rocks, trees, lampposts, etc., would be to have one file for each of those assets and just put the render action inside such a loop with different coordinates as parameters. 
Unfortunately, load times on modern hard drives are too slow for this to work. Hence, developers worked around it in the past by duplicating and multiplying these assets, like having multiple copies of the file. This obviously bloats the overall size of a game. With SSDs, this won't be a problem anymore. Their load times are so fast that you could just pack the asset file once and then load every instance inside the game world from that one file. Ultimately, I think game sizes won't be much smaller because of this. If I were a developer, I'd use this extra space to make my assets more, de more detailed. As a dev, you can usually save on as much detail as you can. Keep up the great works. Love you guys. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, that sounds good. So I wanted to throw that out there. That make, That's a really good way of putting it. Yeah, it's definitely not going to make games smaller. That's what I thought. I was like, I heard that. I was like, what? <laughs> I got confused. It's just going to make them sleeker, I guess, if you're understanding the engineering underneath I guess the so, hood, yeah. which is irrelevant to me. Like we talked about last <laughs> week, I didn't even know for two years that I could plug my PS Vita 2 into my PlayStation 4. Yo, for real, I didn't even know they made a second Vita. I'll be real. I'm like, well, what? What, do, what? Do you not have the second? What Vita do you have? You have I, the, that, I got, that's I, the Vita you have? I, have? I have one that has the micro USB charger, so I Ooh. guess I have the second one. Yeah, the But I got it and I, I was none the wiser. I was like, this is the original one, right? I think 2011 to 2013, yeah, it was uh, the original one was a little... That was the OLED, like... The, the OLED display, the, the yeah. original one is objectively a better machine. I, I will say that. It's objectively better. Oh, yeah? It looks better. It's cleaner. It's a little more bulky, which I like. Yeah. But they stopped making it. I remember, actually, I saw it for the first time in Santa Monica at Shutters at the Beach, which is a really nice resort when I was living in San Francisco. Ran outside to write the story on IGN. Never bought one because I didn't need it. Hmm. And now here we are. Maybe I should have. By the way, I bought like five Vitas. So the, the, its failure is definitely not my fault. If, every, <laughs> if all of you bought five Vitas, we would be in much better shape right now. I will say that. Chris, Jack Reynolds wrote in, said, hey, guys. Wait, wrong show. It, it, I mean, so hey, guys is an is a knockback joke, but you're allowed to say hey, guys, because my brother likes to go hey, like the YouTuber. Like, hey, guys, hi, guys. <laughs> it works, man. You can't you can't. Uh, it's just such a good way to introduce something. It works. What are you going to say other it, than like, hey, guys, what's up? Yeah. You know, or you can say greetings and salutations. Yeah, that's, like better, I, that's, that's why I, that's why I came up with that. Colin, last week on Sacred Symbols Plus, you talked about how the storage could be modular. Just thought, and, and you and the audience might be interested in digital foundries evaluation. I'm always interested in that. I think they're owned by Eurogamer, if I am correct. Yeah, I like those guys. In order to get the speed Mark Cerny is talking about from the SSD, it is more than likely the memory of the PS5 will be attached directly to the motherboard. This is unlike a typical PC where it goes through an SSD slot, which is, of course, modular. What this means is it is essentially impossible for the average Joe to upgrade storage. The positives, however, will be extremely low transfer rate of data. This might be the most beneficial for developers as they no longer have to wait for the mechanical hard drive of the PS4 to run their game for testing. It will essentially be instant to go through different states of the game. Anyway, love the show. Keep it up. What do you think of that? I don't know. I, again, I don't know the technical yeah. details of that, but it seemed so popular, not only with PS4, but actually the second and third iterations of PS3 particularly PS3 Slim, I think, allowed you to remove the hard drive pretty easily. So this would be a weird thing to allow people not to do anymore. I th yeah, I, I don't I don't anticipate this happening. My assumption would be that there would be, if this is true, and the SSD would be, you know, hard connected to the motherboard or the CPU or whatever the hell, I would imagine that there would at least be another slot where you could add another hard drive to. Like, I would be shocked if they removed that level of... Because that's even less of a selling point then at that point. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, why you're would... You're stuck. You're stuck with that amount of storage, and it's probably not going to be that much storage. It's probably going to be one terabyte, which is probably going to fill up real quick if you have uh, games that take up, what, 100 gigabyte disks? That's 10 games. Yeah, it's not going to be enough. Not, I, I don't know. I, I would have a hard time believing that... Not necessarily that there's a, a hard drive connected in, in a way that you can't remove it, but that there would be no option to upgrade that storage is, is 
baffling to me. Like, I, I, I don't foresee that happening. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, again, I don't have the technical chops. People have made that more than clear. <laughs> OK, and I understand that. And I've never pretended to. So I, mean, I'm, yeah. I talk about games and game quality. We, we lean a little bit more on Chris when things are a little more useful, like how things work. Right. So I'm not saying that I understand the, the ramifications, but I think that that's a weird trade off because yeah, the games will be lightning fast, like he's saying, and testing and obviously unloading. But my bigger complaint is like, what if the hard drive fails? That happens not only yeah. often, but that happens too, where it's the only part of the game system that doesn't work. So now the whole system's broken. That that, that to me also is it's is a little weird. Yeah, that's actually that's actually something that bothered me about a lot of like phones lately. With where like, oh hey, you can't take the battery out anymore. And it's like, thanks. I get. Thank you. Is that a good thing? Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that. I don't know if it is really. Yeah, customization. I think. Uh, to, to the, I guess, closest degree that they're not going to find like random people dicking around and shoving Phillips head screwdrivers into the machine when it's plugged in and stuff like that. I understand that they don't want people fucking around with it that much. It but, should be simple, though. Like, yeah. I mean, the, the PS2 was simple the way they did that. Sure. The 360 was, too. Like, what's what's the big deal? It's 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 super easy to make that aspect of of console customization of console customization super easy. Like, I don't see the the barrier there still in this regard we're talking i mean it's not maybe the same thing but with the ram upgrade on n64 n64 came out in november 1996 and they even had a really simple solution to to put more ram in your machine that i could understand as a high schooler and i wasn't you know above yeah. average intelligence obviously so I, I know it's a little different but i just feel like you know you have to be clever enough as an engineer and as someone who's making physical hardware to be able to make it as customizable as possible by the way if that v-shaped machine is what it is and again we're kind of cautious about that being one case or the other that's another thing where i'm looking at this and i'm like i have no idea how you'd even take this thing apart or whatever i was even comfortable taking the ps4 apart which is a little weird but for me because i'm not comfortable i i'm uncomfortable taking my gi joe's apart yeah nonetheless electrical components so We'll see how that all works out. But I did want to acknowledge all of that. A lot of that ties back into last week's Sacred Symbols Plus, which you can listen to if you are a Patreon supporter. Chris, there's been a lot of talk recently about Demon Souls Remastered, which is rumored to be developed uh, at Bluepoint. That might be a PS4 or PS5 game. I mean, it has to be one of those because Sony owns the publishing rights to it. Also, Hidetaka uh, Miyazaki said recently that making Bloodborne 2 isn't his call. I wanted to just bring this up real quick. We have to have a moment of understanding on this show, Chris. Because we like to educate the audience a little bit. If an IP is owned by a publisher, unless there's like weird things written into it, into the into the agreement, it was never going to be Hidetaka Miyazaki's right to say whether they were going to do another one or not ever. And I, I, hate, I hate that these stories are written like this. They can't possibly do this game because this guy's not at the studio anymore. So it doesn't matter. I, I hate to tell you, it doesn't matter. Uh, so if Sony wants to make Bloodborne 2, they can do it without from software. And I mean, I don't think they would do that, but they could. And mm -hmm. with Demon's Souls, they definitely don't need From Software to remake Demon's Souls. And as far as I understand, From Software isn't making Demon's Souls. Yeah. You know, so what's going on at Bluepoint has nothing to do with Bloodborne 2, which has nothing to do with Sony's, you know, first party whims, which has nothing to do with what From Software is going to do. I'm just tired of these stories, you know, coming up and cropping up. So I wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. It's important to understand. It is. It would be like Bungie saying, uh, we don't want these guys to make another Halo game. And it's like, well, fucking too bad. Yeah. It's you not don't their, own Halo. It's, it's not their call at all. You know what I mean? Like it's, it, <laughs> so I just wanted to throw that out there because I was originally going to write up a story about that Bloodborne 2 comment in particular. And then I was like, but there's no reason to make this to talk about this any further than to just say, like, if you see this, know in your mind that it's kind of a, a nonsensical thing. People like there were stories about like, we're just verifying Sony owns Sunset Overdrive. It's like no fucking shit. Yeah. 
They bought Insomniac. So yes, they own Insomniac's IP. I think some people just don't understand how this works. That's why you listen to this show. Okay? You can go listen to your amateurs on your amateur show. All right? <laughs> it's a complicated world out there. But don't listen to this show and expect amateur fucking feedback from it because I can't take it anymore. I just can't take it anymore. Brad E. wrote into us. Brad E. He has something to say. Now, I'm not thrilled about what he's about to say. Oh, yeah. But I wanted to read it because we like to be fair and balanced on this show. Okay. Now, Brad, he says, I have to address a source of recurrent misinformation presented on this podcast. Your segments on Five Guys are fake news. Five Guys sucks. Five Guys is terrible. Soggy, greasy, messy, expensive. Eating a Five Guys burger is like pouring gravy down some grungy dude's back and licking their greasy gooch. I cry for you just thinking about it. Start eating Chick-fil-A like an adult. Accept Christ as your savior and bask in the glory of real fast food. Chris, Chris, how does this strike you? Chick-fil-A is terrible. Really? See, now this is a whole nother unexpected part of this conversation that I didn't, I didn't anticipate. Yeah, no, it's it's not good. It's really bland. It's basic as shit. Wow. It's, I've had McDonald's that's better than fucking Chick-fil-A. This is a three-way fight now. For See, real. I didn't anticipate this. I didn't anticipate this. The McDonald's down the street from here is better than, that, than any Chick-fil-A I've ever had. You're telling me the McDonald's on Colorado. Yes. Is better than... Chick-fil-A. Any Chick-fil-A that I've had. Wow. Maybe there's some magic Chick-fil-A. Dude, that's a bad McDonald's. Yeah. That's a really bad McDonald's. Yeah, they're all bad. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying. You ever go to, ever go to there are some good McDonald's. Eh. There are some good McDonald's out there. Eh. It, there's like a Wendy's down the street for me. That's the most decrepit post-apocalyptic I've situation. Seen, I've been to it, seen. yeah. You know what I'm talking about? The one next to the gas station? I went station? to it in a, in a... Fucking horrible. It was really bad. It was the car. It's was, so gross. It was a gas station. Yeah, yeah. It's gross. Just so gross. But I did not anticipate you throwing in that Chick-fil-A uh, what I would call Chick-fil-A blasphemy. Uh, now, Brad has a point here, in my opinion. Chick-fil-A is great. Yeah. But it's there's such a thing as being Chick-fil-A'd out. And that's kind of what I found myself in, especially since they started delivering their food, which is what obviously everyone knows that I love. Now, Five Guys, I just don't get tired of it. Five, I ordered Five Guys. I ordered like $30 worth of the Five Guys last night. Yeah. Five Guys is great. Like, I, I, you have to be delusional. I, I can't I can't agree with this. You I can't even be, I can't even entertain this idea. Brad, you're a dipshit. <laughs> <laughs> I did want to throw that out there because I guess not everyone understands what Five Guys is all about. But you're crazy. I mean, it's so it, here's what you do. You get extra cheese on the cheeseburger, which is inherently a double cheeseburger. You get ketchup, mayo, grilled onions on it. That's all you have to do. You don't put bacon on it. We've talked about this. I don't really feel like bacon belongs on a cheeseburger. You're insane. Yeah. Oh, my God. There's so many God different it. quarrels going on now uh, that I can't This is exactly why I hate In-N-Out because they don't put bacon on their burgers. And it's yeah. like, why would you Why would you not do that? I just feel like it's a little redundant. You know, like bacon's got a place. Yeah, I love pork bacon. and beef. Redundant? <laughs> How? I don't How know. I, mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Make, pork, pork and beef meatballs are the best. So I guess they're not. They're not. That's they compliment. They're, they're great. See, here's the thing I have a problem with with bacon on burgers is that the bacon doesn't always you have to have crispy bacon on a burger I feel because you could take a bite of the bacon where the bacon slides out of the burger or it doesn't cut specifically like that happens also with ringed onions yeah and pieces of lettuce I don't like that I want to make sure the burger is all nice and concise and the bacon complicates the issue entirely too much for me all right I love bacon don't yeah, get me wrong sure well I guess now some bacon. I've opened up this whole can this is a Pandora's box that's bacon blasphemy what you're saying <sighs> geek aloud run in and he's got a real question, and we can talk about something real for just a moment. He said, hey, Cautious Colin and Carefree Chris, when a first-party studio is shut down, do they get the option of becoming an independent developer? No, uh, right? No, not typically. This, uh, Of course, this happens in different ways. So oftentimes, a first-party publisher shut down, shuts down one of their studios, and that studio is done. 
you also find where sometimes a first party within a publisher family is allowed to go. This happened recently with IO and uh, which is, of course, the developer of Hitman, which Square Enix owned for like 15 years. They not only let IO go on their own without selling them, I think they did a buyback internally, but also they let them go with their IP. So that's a, that's an unusual situation, but that's happened. We've had situations like with Bungie and Activision where that was kind of a second party relationship in which that was severed and Activision actually let them walk away with the IP, which they didn't have to do. And uh, and then there are situations like what happened with Evolution, which was a Sony owned studio. Evolution was a racing studio best known for MotorStorm and most recently Drive Club. Sony shut them down. And then what basically happened was another publisher came in, Codemasters in this case, and basically kept them together under a different name. So that's another option. Yeah. But no, typically not. When a first party shut down, typically they are sent like leaves to the wind, although I think they can kind of hire within and I'm sure some people get pulled from other studios. So that's typically the way it happens. Very educational. And finally, before we get into what we're playing, Devin wrote in, said, hey, Co- hey Coheed, Colin, and Cambria, Chris. I feel like we've gotten that one before. I don't think so. Well, there you go. We haven't. I'm one of your peculiar patrons that don't have a PS4. Do you think it's too late in the generation to get one? The PS5 is on the horizon, but so is The Last of Us Part Two. Do you think I should wait a whole year or more or take advantage of this year's Black Friday deals and the lack of sales tax over here in Dover, New Hampshire? I lived in Dover, New Hampshire for two years. I implore you, give me your guidance. Love the show. Keep up the great work. Chris, should Devin get a PlayStation 4 or is it too late? I feel like if you've waited this long, you almost might as well wait yeah. for PlayStation 5 to just completely cut the PS4's price. You know what I mean? I would assume so. I would I would assume that that's what's going to happen. Like, if you've waited this long, you clearly aren't like in a rush to play God of War or in a, in a rush to play Spider-Man because it's been like a, a year <laughs> at this point uh, since God of War especially and Spider-Man actually. So like yeah, I, I would maybe wait, but if you if you're feeling some kind of itch right now, might as well take advantage of Black Friday. But I'm telling you right now, PS5 is going to come out in like a year, and the PS4 is going to be hilariously cheap. Yeah, that's going to be true. I also wonder if they'll even make another skew of PS4 as well, like a oh, smaller yeah. skew. They already have these. Slim they did skew. that with the 360. They did like a Xbox One looking 360. Yeah, so terrible. It's not good. No, th- those last iterations are always the worst ones. Like, like the, the PS3 Formigo? with the grill. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, that was no good. What a terrible thing. That was one of the cheapest pieces of hardware I've ever held. It's like Wii U cheap. That was like I it fell out of like one of those things that you like get gumballs out of. <laughs> like a Dakota rig. Right. Yeah, it, it was, was it was. I remember when we got them at the office at IGN, they were they were bad because uh, you had, like it was like a, there wasn't even a mechanical slide. I think I think you had to like manually. Slide no, yeah, it would like the, scrape against the plastic yeah, every time was, you opened it. It was, was very weird. Baffling. I don't know how many. I guess it sold well enough, but I like the PS3 Slim from 2009 myself. That's but, the best one. Chris, I agree with you. I mean, he's waited this long. He's no more than 13 months from the PS5 at this point because they won't release it after Black Friday 2020. So uh, I think actually this has to do a lot. Well, there's two components, right? Do you have money? I mean, if you if you have disposable income, then yeah, buy a PS4. I mean, yeah, do your thing. But the other thing is, is that do you have other games to distract you? In other words, do you have last gen games? Are you an Xbox One gamer? Are you a PC gamer? Can you can you survive long enough? Because the other question, I guess that's somewhat relevant is that once the PS5 comes out and you have this backlog of games, will you ever be able to keep up with them? See, that's the one thing that I'm concerned about with this question. If he's not played PS4 games, then he's just going to be adding them onto the pile of PS5 games and then he's never going to play them. I mean, you are if that happens, you're never going to play point. Days it Gone. Is a good, it is a good lull right now yeah. where you could almost justify getting a PS4 and being undistracted by playing just like, hey, we got God of War, we got Spider-Man, play, play through all that shit. That way when the PS5 comes out, you're not, uh, you're not hampered by a backlog. And that's also valid. This goes right in, Chris, to our question right here, which is Alex Bolton. How the fuck did my backlog get so big? Holy shit. See, this is happening to me, too. 
Now imagine the backlog that Devin's talking about. Yeah. That that's just going to exist. Just if Devin just played first and second party AAA games from PlayStation that he's never played on PS4, that's two years worth of games. I mean, how many how many how much you going to play? You miss everything from Killzone all the way through Ghost of Tsushima. You're going to miss all of them. Everything. It's not a good situation to put yeah. yourself in. Well, the yeah, more I, I talk say. about this, the more I think you should get a PS4. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Yeah, I've convinced myself. Yeah. Wait, but wait for Black Friday. Yeah, Black Friday. And, and it's, like you really, said, it's right around the corner. Yeah. Might as well. And like you said, you lived in Dover, New Hampshire. Beautiful city. Beautiful town. I went to St. Mary's Academy there. And uh, no sales tax, which is very true. When I lived in Maine and Massachusetts, we would often go to New Hampshire to just not pay tax. It was great. <laughs> when they say no sales tax in New Hampshire, they mean it. It's fucking great. That's cool. God bless. I didn't so, know that. So when something called like when I would buy an action figure for four ninety nine, it was a legit four ninety nine. Is that a thing on the the PX, the military PX things? What is what? Oh, you know not what the PX is? No, I don't think. Oh, I'm, it's like no. a, it's like a uh, it's basically like a like a department store, like a Walmart, but it's on military bases. Oh, my uh, my mom's husband, who's a, a Navy veteran, does that. Yeah, yeah. Do they have tax on there? I, I no, th- I don't think they pay taxes yeah, there either. I think that's why my dad would always go. <laughs> <laughs> they get some. I, they get some good perks. I got my Xbox, my original Xbox, like the big fat one, at uh, at a PX. I remember that. That, nice or experience. you can do what my dad used to do and go to the Indian reservations on Long Island to buy cigarettes, tax free. Okay, that's the thing that used to happen. <laughs> I mean, hey, you know. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Chris, what have you been playing? Uh, Borderlands. I've been trying to get back into Borderlands. And? And uh, it's fine again. <laughs> it's mm. fine. I finally got past that boss. But, like, man, that boss... I, I've talked about this on three podcasts already, but, like, that that really sucked me out of that game. It really just made everything less fun. And now that I'm past it, I'm getting back into it. But, like, man. <laughs> I, had to, I, had to st- I had to straight up take a break from that game because it pissed me off so much. Are you playing with other people? No. So you're playing by yourself. I'm playing by myself, mm. which is a significantly less fun than playing Destiny with all my friends. I will say. I, I I'm interested in that. Yeah, Borderlands. I so I beat it last night. Finally, I'm at like level 46 or 47, so I'm almost at the cat. I stopped paying. Like I said, I think a couple weeks ago, I, I stopped paying attention to the story completely. Whenever anyone would talk, I would just zone out. I would go like get a drink of water until the text stopped moving on the bottom of the screen, and there was, I was out of the cutscene or whatever. So no idea what the hell the game was about. And, yeah. But. It was so long winded in its story that I think that that's what they missed in this game In playing Borderlands recently the, when they re-released Borderlands. That was so perfect because I really like that game, like the, because it just got you right into the action with just a little bit of setup and some zany characters. It doesn't really matter. You're there to shoot and kill and have fun. And Borderlands 2, I felt like was the same thing. But with Borderlands 3, they just got way too zany and cute with the length of the story making it seem like that was really the central component that people cared about in Borderlands and I don't think that that ever was no. so I do think the yeah. gun the randomization is really strong that's the only thing that's probably keeping me around in in spite of uh, of how long and uh, devoid of uh, stakes the story is yeah yeah there's a lot of territory to travel which is cool and the quick travel system I've gotten a little more used to the game's cleaned up a little bit have you noticed that the game constantly asks you to shut it off to upgrade it when you pause it I did uh, yeah it's weird there's a new update 
it's like shut it down, please. I, I it's so weird. I turned it on a day or two ago, Chris, and then I immediately paused it when I like loaded my game and then paused it. And then it was asking me to reset it. I'm like, well, why didn't you just do it when I was at the menu? Why do I have to go into the game? I mean, these are the weird design it choices. update when you launch the game. Also, how many times are you going to update this? Yeah, what's what Jesus, are you doing? What are you doing? You know, like what is going? What the fuck is going on? Why can't games just work? Yeah, I mean, the performance on it is still kind of an issue, but it is, it, it, especially in the menus. I, I just don't understand why they bloat the menus with so much graphical flair and stuff when it just makes it so fucking annoying to the point where I started really upgrading my backpack a ton just so I didn't have to go to the store to sell shit over and over again. Because I'm just selling things to create, you know, funds to upgrade my ammo capacity and all yeah, that. Yeah. But, uh, I also upgraded my, I think, well, I don't remember, Sentinel? Is that what my character is? I don't remember what my character is. He's the guy that uses the, uh, he's the British, or the, we, we established this. The, the Irish, Irish man the Irish that man, has yeah. the uh, the drone with him. Upgraded him all the way. But then I got into the, the uh, post-game upgrade system, and it sucks. It, it's like the old upgrade system where you would just randomly get upgrades. Like, oh, you're... Do you want this, this, or this? Okay, you choose this, and then it's like, okay, plus 0.5 to aiming or whatever. It's like, the, I'm like, but why Why wasn't this just in the game? Why does this make this fun? Why not make the level cap higher? That's a weird design philosophy. It is. It bothers me a little bit. Yeah. Actually, about Borderlands 3, Ben did write in about this, though, Chris. He says, more of a comment than a question, but I was very surprised to hear that Colin hasn't been enjoying Borderlands 3 more than Chris. I would have expected the opposite. Has Chris contracted an illness? I think these are two <laughs> separate questions, of course. Yeah, uh, I think I'm just playing a lot of, there's a lot of competition in that genre now, and a lot of competition that I l enjoy. So like, back in the day, I really liked Borderlands and Borderlands 2, because as a looter shooter, they were really the only things that existed in that in that type of game. Now we've got like a lot more stuff. There's like Warframe out there, there's Destiny, there's uh, uh, even The Division in some in some capacity could qualify. So I just feel like especially just from a performance standpoint, like this new one just feels kind of rushed. There's something about it. It's not as good as the previous installments, I think. And it's just, I don't know. I, I, I've, I guess I'm used to destiny, which is like just consistently, there's no performance issues in destiny whatsoever. I don't think I've ever seen a drop frame once. So like to go from that to this is just kind of like a little weird. And the fact that there's no PVP, which I know that there's never been PVP, but it, you know, it just makes the overall package a little bit less diverse. And it's, I don't know, it's, it, there's a lot more uh, competition, I just think, is really what it comes down to. Here's the thing about all of this is that I agree with you that there's a lot of competition. And also, I like that you brought up Warframe because that's a game that came out and no one really cared about. And they really stuck with it and made it, into, I guess, this like totally different game. I think we discussed yeah. some months ago that some websites are even re-reviewing it, which I think is actually a great service as long as Metacritic accepts those scores because you're not. If yeah. someone goes and reads a review from 2014, it's just really not the yeah, same. Yeah, no, exactly. You can even apply that to even The Division and Destiny, really. Like Warframe, I remember trying out and hating. <laughs> like I was like, I hate this. This is worse. This is terrible. I've seen it recently. It's like, this looks pretty solid. Like, this is a way different game than I remember it being. It's cool that they got the opportunity, much like No Man's Sky and a few others to kind of, that's yeah. very uncommon, to stick around, have at least enough of a player base or enough of a revenue stream to go fix the game, which is just not something that even moneyed interest. I mean, Evolve is a great example from Turtle Rock. Like, they have money. They're coming back out with their new game, and they didn't really even have the wherewithal to stick around and try to fix it. They made it free to play, which was an uh, even worse idea, I think, than actually trying to fix it. Yeah. properly that's the that's the positive side of uh live service i think because a lot of times if you have like a normal game that's not like not a live service game if it's bad it just stays that way for a long time because you're on to the next thing but in a lot of cases i've seen lately 
Uh, these games are starting to get better and they're starting to improve, except for Anthem. But uh, <laughs> now nine ninety nine apparently on on most uh, Jesus, sites. Man. That's the exception to the rule though, which is good. Like we're seeing, like you said, No Man's Sky and even Destiny Two is like having a huge resurgence now. Final Fantasy fourteen is a gr- another great Final example. Fantasy, of that. Yeah, exactly. It's now that it used to be that the rule was these games are bad <laughs> and they're broken and unfinished. But now it seems like the rule is that they always kind of find their footing and get really, really good. Right. If they see the nugget of something really quality there, I guess they stick with it. I think Final Fantasy 14 might really be the first example of this. Mm-hmm, yeah. Resurgence. They shut that game down. Yeah. Final Fantasy 14 was bad. And I'm not an MMO fan. I just know a lot of people back in my old circle that played these games and they hated it. And then they did the Realm Reborn thing, basically like a, a whole new game. And they... They let it live again as opposed to moving on to whatever would have been next. So I think that that's really wise stuff. And um, yeah, so I, I, you know, to to the question we got, um, I do want to say that from a certain perspective, you can say that Borderlands 3, 3 from, from I, not from a certain perspective, from my perspective, Borderlands 3 is not as good as the previous two Borderlands from my, the core Gearbox Borderlands. Not, yeah. I, I never really played the pre-sequel. I don't think it's as good, and I think it's not as good because it's just, it's too bloated. There, It's too long, too. I mean, the game is really long. There's a shit ton of to do with it. When I was really surprised, I did, I think, 82% of the game. I'm like, really? How much more do you want from me? Yeah. So, before, the, And there's not even any DLC or anything that I can play yet, but it seems like they're keeping it alive with, like, little in-game events, and they're paying a lot of attention to it, so that's cool. And I was looking at the trophies, too, because I was surprised when I beat the game, get a gold trophy, about a third of the people that have played Borderlands 3 have beaten it. It's a really substantial number. That's actually a lot higher than a lot of single player games. And I was like, what does the division look like? So I went and looked at the division. The divisions is almost 45% beat it. So those games are selling millions and millions of copies and millions of people are beating them. So these games have incredible stickiness. When I went to the division, I was like, there's no more. It can't be higher than a third. It's way higher than a third. It's really surprising. I love that we get that kind of insight into how much people are playing games because I'm playing Tales of Hearts R, still working my way through that on Vita very slowly, and I'm looking at the trophies there. 22 hours in, I just popped a bronze trophy. I looked at it, it's like 30% or whatever. And I'm like, yeah. you see, these kinds of games <laughs> drop off, like, because people don't have the fucking patience for all of this Japanese shit that's happening in Tales, you know? Yeah, it's too much sure. Japanese shit. That's all. It's just yeah. too much Japanese shit. It's a lot. It's definitely, that's, uh, I, I, I agree with that <laughs> assessment. Now, Ben also asked, has Chris contracted an illness? It's unrelated. Chris has AIDS, though. Oh, yeah. Full-blown. Full-blown AIDS. <laughs> and uh, Chris, apart from Borderlands 3, I also played Concrete Genie. I bought this game 40 bucks. Way too expensive for what it is. Uh, I'm not really feeling it. I got to be honest with really? you. I'm, I'm really not feeling it. So for people that, that don't know what it is, Concrete Genie is the second game um, out of a team that Sony has been incubating in Northern California called Pixel Opus. You might remember their first game coming to PS4, PS3, and Vita called Entwined. And... Entwined, I think, is a better game than 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 Concrete Genie. In, in some ways, they're very different games. I don't like the control scheme. This is one of those cute games that tr- I've been using the word cute a lot today. I don't know why. It's one of those cute games that's like we're going to use the motion control. Oh no, really? And you can shut it off, but then I run into inversion problems that are not baked into the way the axes are inverted, and so that's a very personal problem to me, and I understand that. But for people that don't know, it's a game where you play as a, a young boy in this kind of, I don't know, pollution ridden town, just like coastal town. And he's picked on by these kids. And I don't like stories like that. First of all, I have a hard time watching people get picked on. I don't like that. Yeah. Like typically I have a really hard time internalizing that. And uh, 
you basically just go around and you you discover things and you paint with your paintbrush and all this kind of and you're finding like basically the bullies rip apart your art book at the beginning and then you have to go find all the pages of it and stuff so it's a cool story but i'm it's got like this glowing praise from all of these albums <laughs> i don't think so really it, I, I i'm sorry i i don't think so though do yeah. you think uh this is an example of the playstation bump yeah, possibly. I think it's got a low eight on Metacritic. That oh, surprised right. me a little bit. That's high. I mean, that's higher than Days Gone, which is a much better. game. Right. They're, again, very different. But I can't imagine. I mean, I was talking to people on Twitter about this. The sad reality is that forty dollars, this game ain't selling. And I don't and I don't recommend it at forty dollars. I got the VR component, too. So maybe it's a little cheaper. What do you, you think uh, would be a fair price point for it? Nineteen ninety nine. Twenty four ninety nine, something like that. That was what I was thinking when I saw it, because it was like, "This is oh, this is an indie game. It's like twenty, twenty five. I can't believe it's forty dollars." Yeah, when you when you t let your team take five years to make this, uh, mm, I guess yes. you have to make your money back. But I was telling people, I mean, this game has no real prayer as far as commercial success goes. But I would hopefully, if you're gonna buy it, that's great. If it looks good to you, that's awesome. I would just wait until it drops in price a little bit, which it's going to. I, I, if you look at their experience we had with uh, 505 games and remedy and control controls already like half price. And that game is way better <laughs> and way more deserving than concrete genie. So uh, I, I bought it, bought it the night it came out, played it, sat with it for about an hour. I think the controls are a little wonky. I'm not crazy about it. It's a little obtuse. Don't understand where Have you finished it. From. No, right. we'll, we'll finish it this week. Cause there's three games that I want to play that I can, I think finish in, in short order. So I'll have more in depth and I think fair critiques of Concrete Genie next week once I finish it. And then also that game, The Bradwell Conspiracy came out and that game looks really cool. Oh, that's the one we were talking about last yeah. last time. And I looked into that and that looks neat. And then there's that game, One Night Stand, about the girl, I guess, waking up with a guy or whatever and like the decisions she makes or whatever, which I think sounds really cool too. So there's a few of those like walking sim type games that I need to get through. This game is not a walking sim game, but it might as well be. It's got like very loose action not a lot of, you know, not combat. It's not oriented like that. Like if you run into the bullies, they kind of rough you up and walk away. There's like no <laughs> death, which is cool. There's no death in the game or so it seems. Yeah. So nice idea. But see, this is the frustrating thing with me. They only invest in a few second pro uh, second party games now every year. This is technically actually a first party game if you want to be technical with it. But yeah. Pixel Opus is not, I don't think, a studio that's going to stick around long, unfortunately. And they don't invest in Housemark anymore they don't invest in these amazing twin stick shooters or some of the great like first party games that could be made by a second party we really could use a twisted metal game right now i think we could really use as we talked about a socom game i mean yeah which is what i think they're trying to do with uh, the predator game so it's just frustrating that like all right concrete genie is cool i gave it a chance not crazy about it maybe i'll have different opinions on it when i beat it but now medieval's coming up next and now I'm kind of curious, even though they released a demo with that. Uh, and I wonder if the demo had anything to do with the fact that Concrete Genie preempted it. People were going to be nervous that Concrete Genie wasn't very good. They didn't want people to parlay that to another second party game crump crumpled together in that same PlayStation blog ecosystem. Right. Where they talk about these games constantly. It seems like that game's going to be more promising. Then we move into Death Stranding. So I think you can pass on Concrete Genie personally, at, at least at this price point. Right. I, I think it's an absurd It is a bit price. high. I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I had it. I was meaning to pick it up. I just totally lost track of time. I didn't even know it was out. Well, it, I think that's true with a lot of people. When I tweeted about it, see, it's so funny, Chris, because I tweeted, Concrete Genie came out the same day that they talked about PS5. Oh, yeah, right, and, right. Right, and people were like, well, that's, <laughs> that could just be a coincidence. And I'm like, no, it's not, guys. Like, if Wired was given this kind of access, there was an embargo on this that had yeah. to be met at a certain time. And they set that embargo for the day Concrete Genie came out. 
And I'm sorry, but I've been doing this for too long to not be able to read into that one way or the other, whether that was intentional or not. And by the way, if that wasn't intentional, dumb. And if that was intentional, yeah. you're trying to hide. And I think you're trying to obscure Concrete Genie's existence by having people talk about PS5. So they're not too hard Is it on the so game. bad, though, that like it's not it can't be bad. No, it's not bad. It's, it's not, not bad. bad. No, it's, it's like fine, fine yeah, probably. It's fine. But I think that that's too weird. Right. Like that's just too weird because not only did the article come out that day, they had a PlayStation blog post written by by uh, Ryan on PlayStation blog pointing to the Wired article. This was all coordinated. And if I were a pixel opus, I'd be like, what the fuck? You know? <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. It's definitely like re- at the very least, it's uh, the most charitable interpretation you could give to it is that it's uh, really, really stupidly managed. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Not the first time that's something that they've marketed or done PR. Like we said, they fuck, you know, Sony PR fuck day is gone. Now, I, I think that they're happy with how the game did. It's one of the best selling PlayStation exclusives. They could have done better if you gave the game to the critics when it worked. That might have been helpful. So when I look at Pixel Opus, if I were there, they're never going to say this, obviously. But if I were there, I'd be like, this is fucking nonsense. Because all that should have been happening on PlayStation.com, the PlayStation Twitter account, PlayStation Facebook, on YouTube, yeah. PlayStation Blog, Concrete Genie, all day. That's all they should have been pushing. Instead, no one gave a shit. Why would you? It is really messed up. You know, <laughs> why would you care? And, and some, some kind of cruel like, joke. And some people were like, oh, well, you know, they wouldn't make a schedule around Concrete Genie. They don't care. And I'm like, well, that's a problem. Yeah, that's exactly, you know, yeah, that's exactly what you don't want to hear. <laughs> yeah, that's it's I like, hope that that's not true. They don't care about an exclusive <laughs> that's launching on a day where there's no other exclusives launching. Very weird stuff. This is I mean, I in gotten fall. To, yeah. What? In the, in the fall. Exactly. It's gotten to the point where I'm like, this just isn't that complicated. It's just not. No, it's just not that complicated. I'm sorry. It's so frustrating. And I think a lot of the people in these various PR staffs, I mean, I know for sure at Sony from the people I know, I can only name one person that I knew on PR there that played games. So of course they don't, they don't have that, that innate, I don't feel like they have that innate protectiveness of the product that they should, that would come from a person who understands the game a little bit better. There's, yeah. I'm not gonna name any names, but there's one person on that PR staff that I know of that really plays games, you know? And that might play into it. That's why you wanna, that's why you want people that, you not want people like me probably, but you want people that play games to, to lead up these various initiatives. No, definitely. Sure. Chris, Marcus Brown wrote into us before we get into the news, and he was asking, hey, guys, I'll make it quick. Does Chris have any intention of playing Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Breakpoint? I feel like he would dig it, especially since he's been aching for a stealth oriented game. I'm having fun so far. Thanks for everything and hope all is well. Keep Tuesdays great. I'm not hearing superb things about this game. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's got its audience. It doesn't look like something that really appeals to me that much. Ghost Recon Wildlands was also one of those things where it's like I... I don't know if I'm really feeling this style. I do want a stealth game, but I, I, I don't want a live service stealth game. I right. want to, you know, Hitman really scratches that itch for me. As, you want as, a Splinter Cell game. I want a Splinter Cell or like, uh, Jesus Christ. Like, like, like I said, even Hitman was like a pretty solid, like it's not quite stealth in the same way. It's like social stealth, which I think is cool. But it's, I do wish that uh, we could have at least some kind of, you know, standalone stealth experience because I, I, I like that shit. It's it's cool, and I, I'm playing. I've been playing the old uh, Splinter Cells on my off time, and they're great. Clunky a little bit because they're old, but like man, I I, I miss that uh, tension uh, that I don't really get a lot from really any game anymore. There's all sorts of tension. There's there's stealth tension. There's sexual tension. Mm-hmm. All sorts of different tension. But I'm honestly looking forward to The Last of Us just because I feel like there's probably gonna be good stealth in there. Right. It's honestly, all- for real, it's like I'm itching. I'm sorry, The Last game. of Us Part 2 is a hub world, and that's all there is. <laughs> this is a social space this is where a you can meet space. up with other Ellies, <laughs> c- compare uh, dance emotes. 
Uh, Good lord! Can't wait to see how they're gonna fuck that one up. That's All not, right, God, it's not even funny because it's so tragically real. I know. The, no, I, I believe Naughty Dog is one of the only studios that will just not allow it, no matter like what yeah. happens. <laughs> they're just not going to allow it. But even the word of them having some sort of stealth like, uh, or not stealth, a hub like thing where you do different quests. Uh, what if they made The Last of Us a schluter? A schluter. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, you're Thank welcome. You I know you love that one. Let's get into the news, shall we? Let's do it. It's not too much to get through this week. Number one. Last week, we were given a ton of new information about PlayStation 5, including confirmation of the PS5 name, which naturally led to speculation on when and where we'd see more, including the box itself. While Sony didn't give us any information on this widely, but Sam Parker, an IT specialist at PlayStation, tweeted in part, quote, cats out of the bag, our next-gen console will be unveiled and released next year. Incognito mode till then, though, end quote. That tiny piece of information tells us what we need to know. We won't be seeing much more of PS5 for the rest of 2019, and the full unveiling of the machine won't happen until 2020. Perhaps a PlayStation experience sometime in the first quarter is in order. It's too late now to have PlayStation experience this year, so that's no surprise because they haven't even announced it yet. But now we know we're not going to see the console unveiled in any other way this year, which is exciting. Not not super unexpected, but Sam Parker let the cat out of the bag. Yeah. IT specialist Sam Parker, we appreciate you. So we'll have more on PlayStation 5. Remember last week, our PlayStation 5 bonanza. Yeah. Of almost Things two are ramping up. I'm getting excited. I am too. I'm getting very excited. Very excited indeed. Number two, a recently filed patent suggests Sony's next generation of VR unit, presumably called PlayStation VR 2, will work completely wirelessly. Word comes by way of website Let's Go Digital, which found a filing from back in February of 2019, which showed several functions and features that could find their way into Sony's next headset. Destructoid reduces Let's Go Digital's German language findings, among which is word that the headset will have three cameras on it, that it'll have its own all-new WAN controller apart from PlayStation Move, and that it will work wirelessly instead of transmitting instead transmitting to the PlayStation 5 via a Bluetooth connection. Sony hasn't officially said much about PSVR 2 as of yet, but it's certainly coming, and it seems like it will be in much more sleek Oculus Quest-like form. The original PlayStation VR came out in October of 2016 and is celebrating three years on the market. Sony has pushed, has pushed nearly 5 million of them so far, making PSVR the most successful VR unit in history, and the publisher continues to support it with internally developed and incubated games and plenty coming from third parties. Chris, PSVR 2, could it be wireless? I would hope so, because that's probably the main thing that's keeping me from playing any VR thing. I hate it. Honestly. I hate it. I love the I love the vibe that I have, but like it's just such a pain in the ass to set up and it's like, ah you know, if I'm really if I really want to play Beat Saber for six hours, then maybe. Maybe I'll bring it out. But it's it's been sitting in a in a box for a while now because of that damn wire. It's too much. I mean with the processing unit that PSVR comes with there are wires as you guys know there are two wires sticking out of the front and it's a two wires sticking out of the back it's a ton a frightening amount so there's no front or back to the unit see that's the weird thing that confuses me about it there's no front or back there are wires coming out of both ends that's so strange I, I'm sorry that's so weird it's probably the best way they could do it though I'm sure I mean I'm sure that's, that what's, however that's, they what's, that's it. what's weird about it I do think uh I mean if it is wireless that's a that's a pretty big dream come true to be real like that's like the that's the quintessential fantasy VR experience is where you just put a headset on and you're just in this world that's perfect if that's true then that's amazing um, I think Oculus is doing something similar. Well, that's what the Oculus Quest is, right? Yeah, that's that what the like? Oculus Quest is, yep. yeah. It's like a less powerful unit, but it has the uh, capability of being wireless, which is exactly what... It's perfectly fine for a PlayStation VR. Entirely, that's that'd be ideal. Yeah, I'm trying to wonder, again, this is like getting in the technical weed, someone's going to fucking smash their head into their, wheeling, their steering wheel while they're listening to me say this, but 
could, could the processing unit was allowing the PSVR, I think, to render the game twice at 120 frames and was kind of assisting the PS4 in that because the PS4 is not natively made for VR. Is it possible that PS5 could process the entire VR experience and then just transmit that to the wireless headset? In other words, like, could the wireless headset be really light, not really processing could, anything on it yeah. and just reading the visual that's being rendered on the I console? I could see it being like a cloud kind of thing or like a like one of the like a stream almost. I could see that happening, possibly. VR is so complicated, man. It's it's a really weird thing to delve into, especially like how things work and like where's the where really is it is it processing any of this? <laughs> but uh, if they're going to do this, this is the ideal way. Like I, if if they put out a PSVR two and it's it's got the same amount of wires or even just like slightly fewer, I don't think it's going to really appeal to that many people. But this this would, I it, think. It's strange because I really feel like when I plug in my PSVR, which I haven't done in almost a year now. To, like I feel like all right I gotta play a bunch of shit now because it's hooked up and it's like this monstrosity in it's my like an obligation room. almost exactly you can't just leave it hooked up comfortably uh, it doesn't look sleek in your setup whatever whatever might be relevant to you so to just have a headset that I can put on and it's like really indifferent to whether it's plugged in or not or it doesn't have to be that's like a that's a total game changer I mean yeah. and the only unfortunate thing is that they've finally gotten PSVR to ch a cheaper price than PS3 or PS4 rather you'll remember that PS4 and PSVR were the same price for a long time mm -hmm. PSVR I think was even a little more expensive depending on the unit you were getting and they finally reduced that price so now this new PSVR 2 unit should it come out and I think it's going to like it's going to be really expensive it's going to be hard to that's the thing about releasing a new VR unit it's like how, how what's the transfer rate you know, on people who own the previous version upgrading. Like, how common is that outside of tech enthusiast bubbles? I don't know if it's necessarily that high because the sales for VR in general are relatively low right. compared to anything else. So it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to you know navigate that market. But I do think the wireless aspect would be a huge selling point, if anything. Like, you could probably just be like that. It's like, hey, his PlayStation VR is wireless. That could be the tagline, literally, and and I think it would sell a lot more. I hope so, because I, I really appreciate that they're sticking with this thing. They really yeah. are sticking with it and investing resources into it. And as we said earlier, and as we noted last week, it is PSVR's third birthday. So it's a good time to get in on the unit and get out on the games, because I think they're discounting mm -hmm. a lot of the digital stuff. But yeah, PSVR, I'm staring at it right there underneath the uh, it's underneath my entertainment center in my office. And it's in a sad state right now. You know, just, just it's just slumping over. It doesn't really look like it's happy to be here. Uh, looking down at the ground as if there's nothing in front of it. It's, you know, I, I when I, I remember being so excited when I got it and it was so cool. Like it was I remember being like, wow, this is fucking great. And then it just became a hassle. I, I really honestly in my heart thought I would play it much, much, much more than I do. But I think that that was the case with a lot of people. It has an attach rate of one in 20, which is not great. There are many games that have a better attach rate on PlayStation 4, both first and third party and second party. And if you really like you said, if you reduce that about five million sold, 100 million PS4s, if you reduce that five million and ask them to buy it again. Yeah. Then you're getting into then you're getting into really unreasonable numbers. VR is hard to sell but yeah. just because like it's even just how do you demo VR? Like it's, it's not really that demoable because like, what are you going to put on a sweaty headset that yeah, everybody it's, else is? It's, it's, it's hard to to show people what VR is unless you like know somebody who has it you know what i mean it's a, just it's such a weird thing that uh i still think we haven't really f figured <laughs> figured out yet but i mean this is cool man i w when would you think that this would come out if if I, if I we're assuming yeah. if we're assuming the ps5 comes out in fall of 2020 which i think is pretty fair fair bet it would be awesome if it was out at the same time 
But do you, do you I, think that would complicate things? It might. I, I think it compl- it could potentially complement things. I don't know that people that were, in other words, like if I don't think anyone's going to be distracted by the shiny object of the VR. I just think it would be cool to be like here's. Here it is, or at least I, I, we know that it's going to work backwards compatible. So maybe they tease the PSVR two or whatever starting in twenty twenty as well, letting people know it's coming. But then you stagnate the sales of the PSVR itself. Yeah, I would bet. I don't know. I would bet fall of the following year, like March of the following year at the earliest. We'll see. It'll be very fun. I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited to see how it all works, and and if it, we finally get this promise of not theater mode VR, which you can do with any game, but just ubiquitous VR where you can just put the headset on very easily, and then maybe that becomes a better use case where I'm using it much more often as yeah. opposed to almost never. You definitely would use it if it was a one-step process. Oh, definitely. I mean, because there are games... Dude, I was really looking forward to Vacation Simulator and I still haven't played it because it's like a thing yeah. where I'm like, I gotta do this whole there are thing. Day, there are you days know? where I'm like, I want to play Beat Saber, but man, do I not want to move shit around and set up these damn wires. I just don't want to do it. <laughs> and then you have to have PlayStation Move. Like, I've done it a couple times where I, oh my God, I'm ready to go and then... Like, fuck, the PlayStation moves aren't charged, you know, and they use different cords. They use like the old chunky USB cords. And oh, yeah, it's like, all right, I got to go look for that now. And it's I know I know it sounds like first world problems, but we are in the first world and it is a first world problem. So, yeah, what what do you want from me? What do you want me to complain about how my crops aren't growing? I don't know what you (laughs) want me to tell you. I'm not having that kind of problem. I'm having problems with my PSVR right now. Okay, thank you very much, Chris. The next piece of news. Number three. Layoffs have struck PlayStation's European branch with dozens losing their jobs. Word comes by way of the Video Game Chronicle, which reports that directors from PlayStation's American arm went to Sony's London offices last week to announce the restructuring and layoffs in in person, which affected PR and marketing most deeply. The website reports that some American employees were also let go and some employees will be allowed to re-interview for their jobs. The Video Game Chronicle reports what I've personally heard a great deal about over the last couple of years, which is that the United States arm of Sony is reinforcing its control over the global PlayStation brand and that the brand's direction will ultimately run through them. Sony's European employees were apparently completely unaware of Sony America's decision to reveal PS5 as it has in Wired, for instance, even though they're all working on the machine and on software for it. So this disconnection, we used to call it when I covered PlayStation back in the PS3 era, was a complete civil war, actually, between Europe there were even two American PR offices, one in San Diego, and one in San Francisco, and there's Asia and all this kind of stuff. And they fucking they straight up got had beef with each other and shit would get caught in between them. And like you couldn't get exclusives. But like, I remember not being able to get exclusive content because like Sony Europe's Polish branch had a problem or something. It was like really fucking annoying. And then they started reducing, slowly reducing the PR reach and shoveling everything through the San Mateo office in Northern California going as far as to shut Sony San Diego's PR branch down and all the people that work there. So there's that aspect to it that I think ties in with other things we've seen. PS4 was released in the United States first, as you guys might remember. Only in the U.S. was PS4 available November 13th, 2013, I think is the date. Sold a million of them here. All the units were allocated for the U.S. and they sold through all of them. Sony didn't care about Europe. They didn't care about Japan, which was weird. They just wanted everything ready for the U.S., So that's one sign that this was already happening. Another sign is the censorship that we've been seeing that would have been unheard of in Sony's history. In fact, Sony was well known as the weeb machine and kind of the borderline hentai machine and the inappropriate games machine Mm -hmm. and then had started editing stuff and Japanese devs complaining to Sony Japan and Sony Japan kicking the can to Sony America. So this is just all part of that. But I think it's fucked up that they did it intentionally obfuscated by the PS5 reveal again. Yeah. 
uh, you know, are we wish our very best to the European PR people and marketers and et cetera that were laid off and lost their jobs at Sony. But it's not lost on me that they did this the week PS5 was announced or like revealed again. It's again, really again. They're doing this to obfuscate. You know, it's crazy. It would have been a huge story. Yeah, it would have. Been. Except it happened like when PS5 was being revealed and everyone was. I mean, you didn't hear much about it, did you? I didn't either. Until I, I didn't know about it until yesterday. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's getting a little shady. But I mean, th- th- that's business, I guess. Yeah. But nonetheless. We wish our best to those affected. Number four, recently liberated studio IO Interactive has jumped back into bed with another publisher, though this deal doesn't make them a fully owned team under another company's umbrella. Instead, IO is teaming up with Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment, a worldwide publishing and distribution agreement, and this is in quotes, to bring a new console and PC game experience to players worldwide, end quote. So IO and WB working on a new IP. It's important to note that this particular deal will not yield a Hitman game. As explicitly stated in the press release, IO's CEO uh, Hacken Abrick said in part, quote, as we embark on this exciting project to create a new universe for IO together with Warner Brothers, end quote. So he's basically confirming this is a something new and goes on to talk about hiring at both IO Studios, the original in Denmark and the newest edition in Sweden. For more than a decade, IO Interactive was a fully owned part of Square Enix's roster of Western Studios and is best known for its Hitman series, which it began on PC back in 2000. However, IO did explore other franchises, although it did so somewhat quietly. It created the cult hit Freedom Fighters for PS2, which people always assume I love, and other consoles in 2003, and both Kane and Lynch games on PS3 and 360, which came out in 2007 and 2010, and the very cute and very fun Mini Ninjas, which I really loved, which came out in 2009. So IO is capable of more than just Hitman, though it appears Hitman will also continue under different publishing parameters. Square Enix released IO Interactive and the Hitman IP in 2017, and the studio launched Hitman 2 with the very publisher it just signed a new deal with, Warner Brothers. So it seems like IO is just going to be in... That's a very complicated way of saying IO and Warner Brothers are basically in bed together on a permanent basis, it seems like, or a semi-permanent basis. Hmm. We'll see what they have up their sleeves. Perhaps Mini Ninjas 2. I remember Mini Ninjas. That was a fun... Game. I, I platinum did. I loved it. I love that game. A lot of fun. I haven't thought about that in such a long time. Yeah. It was like a weird, I just got like such a weird rush of a flashback. Came out about 10 years ago. Yeah. Damn, Jesus. Speaking of old games, Chris, number five, more than 15 years ago in 2003, The Simpsons Hit and Run was released on PS2 and elsewhere. It's an open world kind of sort of GTA clone and has since earned itself a cult following of people who fondly remember it. In a conversation with Lad Bible, is that how you say that? Lad I, I Bible? Don't know. I, I, I always see no them. Fucking, I have no idea. The game's producer, Vlad Seraldi, talked about his and his team's eagerness to go back and remaster and re release it, though there are no plans to do so. He said in part, quote, I could see it on multiple different types of platforms as a remake or remaster. It would have to take the parties who are in charge of the property to want to do that or for, to want that to happen and someone out there to decide that they were going to go out and do it. But absolutely, it would be fun to explore those characters and that universe again, that work again, end quote. He later added, quote, it's come up before in discussions, but not seriously. Usually at the pub, just talking about the idea and some of the magic that was captured and the potential ability to recapture it in a new way with a different audience, with a different generation of devices, end quote. Hit and Run was developed by Radical Entertainment, which has been owned by Activision for more than a decade and works silently on internal Activision published projects, having not put out its own game since 2012's Prototype 2 and before that, the original 2009 Prototype. Seraldi, on the other hand, has long since left Radical and works on popular iOS and Android games as co-founder of Hothead Games, which also made some Penny Arcade games in 2008, Death Spank in 2010, and Swarm in 2011, which was another interesting game. This was interesting to me, Chris, because this is a, uh, an example of a publisher or a developer of some means putting the feelers out there 
yeah. to say like, we want to do this. So let's do it. And we'll see how this all reacts and responds to that because this happens over and over again. Yeah. If you pay close enough attention where they can't quite get in touch with the right people. The Simpsons is now under the Disney umbrella. So oh, right. Yeah. Oh, well, that's, I hadn't thought about that. It's yeah. Probably pretty hard to get in touch. I mean, the Simpsons, I fucking hate the Simpsons. I'll be right out and say it. Honestly, I've no, talked I don't about like that for many either. years. I hate the Simpsons. <laughs> I can't stand it. That game was great, though. Yeah, it was a cool game. I say that just because I don't get the Simpsons. I've never gotten it. My dad and I were actually reminiscing about how in high school and in middle school, I would often try to watch it in syndication because I felt like I was like left out. Like, I'm like, I don't understand what this is. Like, I don't get it. And I would watch it religiously for a couple of years trying to get it. And I just never did. It was it's it's been terrible for far longer than it's been good. So, like, what's the point at this point? Right. Is it still a great show if that's the case? It's kind of like not. my life. Right? It's been terrible <laughs> far, far longer than it's been good. No, I agree. And I, I I just feel like there's an opportunity for a Simpsons game uh, under this new Disney moniker. They have this Disney external publishing thing that they're working on with different developers. We talked about about a month ago. This might not be the game to go back and do again, but it just seems like there's not been a Simpsons AAA game in a long time. And it's probably time to do to maybe investigate that. Right. I wonder if Disney would even let that happen now because Hit and Run was like pretty. It's not rated M or anything, but it's I don't know. It's pretty, pretty brutal for a even for Simpsons. I mean, it's not like South Park where it's it's known for its heinous. But in Simpsons Hit and Run, I specifically remember you could just kick Marge down the street. (laughs) Just I don't know. It's, It's interesting what you could do in that game. She had to come in with that ridiculous hair. How long does it take her to get that hair done in the morning? It's fucking ridiculous. It's probably a hallucination. Number six. If you're British and you're a gaming addict, there's good news. Oh, good. Your National Health Service or NHS has opened a clinic to deal with your addiction. The Guardian reports that the gaming addiction clinic will find itself under the National Center for Behavioral Addictions, which is located in the capital of London. The NHS is basing its clinic on so-called gaming disorder, which was identified by the World Health Organization just last year and is described in part as, quote, a pattern of gaming behavior characterized by impaired control over gaming, increased priority given to gaming over other activities to the extent that gaming takes precedence over other interests in daily activities and continuation or escalation of gaming despite the occurrence of negative consequences, end quote. Dr. Henrietta Bowden-Jones, the director of NHS's gaming initiative, told the publication in part, quote, gaming disorder is not a mental illness to be taken lightly. We are talking about instances where someone may spend up to 12 hours a day playing computer games and can end up becoming socially isolated and lose their job as a result. End quote. 12 hours doesn't really seem that much, to be honest. (laughs) Maybe I have. Is that is that? Yeah, maybe we're fucked up. I feel like I feel like this is funny. I remember when the WHO has talked about this because it's not a great characterization of the illness. Right. Because I understand addiction. Yeah. Okay, you're addicted. Well, there are people who have literally died. Yeah. Like I could see. Okay, yeah. If there are people like that. Yeah, definitely. But But I don't know if that's the majority of people or even like a slight minority of people. You know what I mean? But part of it says increased priority given to gaming over other activities to the extent that gaming takes precedence over or other interests and daily activities. That's just normal. I mean, that's that is what gaming is to me. It does take precedence over lots of other things. Yeah. That's the way it is for millions of people. So I don't feel like like, what if it takes precedent over watching a movie? Yeah. Like, is it is it? Like, what if does watching a movie take precedent over other things? And would that be considered a you movie, know what I mean? movie addiction? Yeah, I don't know. I know it's definitely like a real thing because obviously, like I said, people have literally died. Yeah, people in like South Korea die at like yeah. uh, e-cafes. Or yeah, they like sit there and uh, their their skin melds with the chair that they're on. And then they <laughs> cease functioning like a normal human because they they're part chair. It's a, it's a scary thing. But I think it's only like, what, that's like eight people maybe max? <laughs> Eight people have only become one with the chair yeah. in history. 
Only eight people have transcended. I feel like it's weird. I mean, I, I you're, you make a good point because it's like, I don't know. I, I feel like it's people that don't understand what gaming is talking about. Gaming. For sure. I, I have no doubt that this is dumb. <laughs> and most of the people who are going to go to this thing, I, I would bet 99.8% of the people who are going to go to this thing are just perfectly normal, you know? But their parents are worried or, or something. Playing too much. I'm, I mean, I'm worried about all you guys playing Fortnite out there. By the way, what's going on with Fortnite? It just disappeared. You can't play it anymore? I don't, I don't care. Did you see that, though? I, I saw something about it, and I was like, good. I think Apparently a black hole in the game ate the game or something like that. And That's kind of cool. It is cool. And like, I guess... There's like a blackout or something on it. Yeah, it's kind of... It's kind of ballsy. Yeah, it is. I like that a lot. It is. Number seven. Sounds like publisher Ubisoft is keen on adapting some of its IP to animated form. The Hollywood Reporter notes that on the heels of the, of the success of its Rabbids Invasion animated series, which are produced in conjunction with Netflix, it's keen on doing more. It's actively developing ideas like a comedy adventure Rayman series and a watchdogs related show that's aimed at teen viewers. Ubisoft's collaboration with Adi Shankar is also still underway, creating Ubisoft's very own multiverse called Captain Laserhawk, a blood dragon vibe. Though it's unclear when that or anything else Ubisoft is working on outside of its ongoing rabbit series will be seen or where. Shankar, of course, did the excellent Castlevania series on Netflix. Yeah. So he's a good guy. To that's get good. With. Yeah. Also follows me on Twitter for some reason. Oh, cool. So we have that to look forward to Ubisoft expanding. Note that, they, that nothing seems expansive with the Tom Clancy stuff, which is a little of course uh, not. disappointing. But nonetheless. The universe hates me. Number eight. We've talked a bit about Bernie Sanders' clever use of Twitch and his presence on that important gamer-centric platform. So it's only fair that we note that his arch rival has followed his lead. Donald Trump has joined Twitch at twitch.tv slash Donald Trump, and he currently has more than 70,000 followers. What the intent of Trump's Twitch page is remains to be seen, but it did mirror his recent rally in Minnesota. I'll say again, man, this is the place to be in the first the first candidate that goes on Twitch and plays games doesn't just use it to mirror rally events and make money, but Elizabeth Warren sitting her ass, her ass down and playing the division <laughs> with someone in her campaign staff. See, that's the good stuff. I wish someone in one of their campaigns would be like, this is a good idea for you to sit here for an hour or a week and play something, right? I it, bet Yang would do it. Yeah, Andrew Yang seems like Yang the guy seems like the it. only person who's capable of doing that. Yeah. Hey, yo, Yang, get, 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 hit me up on Twitter. Let's do a raid. Let's go into the vault of glass. Let's go into the vault of glass, Andrew. Yeah, come on. My girlfriend Erin is like obsessed with Andrew Yang now. <laughs> oh she, yeah. She like is campaigning for him, gives out signs and pamphlets and stuff, and it's just it's too much for me. Hey man, you got to find something to believe in. Can't have that many ideas. Can't have that many ideas. Too many ideas. <laughs> Chris, number nine is a wrap up. Website Gamatsu reports that strategy RPG War of Assured is PS4 bound at some point in the near future. That Life of Strange, Life is Strange 2 is getting a physical release on PS4 on February 4th of next year. And that side scrolling RPG Dark Devotion is coming to PS4 much sooner on October 24th. Website Push Square reports that cute hack and slash game Cat Quest 2 is also coming to PS4 on October 24th. And that racing game Inertial Drift is coming to PS4 in the spring of 2020. The official PlayStation blog reports that horror game Moons of Madness is slated for launch on PlayStation 4 on January 21st next year. And finally, developer Psyonix has announced that it's collaborating with Netflix on a Stranger Things themed set of content called Haunted Hollows. Pretty cool trailer for that one. If you guys want to go check that out. Chris, as tradition dictates, we will now read through the games that are coming out this week on PS4, PS Vita and PS VR. And you will begin. Alrighty. Children of Morta comes to PS4. Uh, with the corruption spreading through the land, guardians of the Mountain Morta have, have to stand up against the ancient evil 
but it's not a story about saving the universe. It's a story about a valiant family standing together while the world around them is being devoured by darkness. It's uplifting. Yeah, great. I always get these. I always get the, I always get the depressing ones. Doors and Rooms comes to PS4. Don't question why. Just open the doors and escape. Simple yet fatally addictive. See through the tricks and find hints for your escape. Never-ending battle of wits against the developers. Be careful, though. One mistake can cost you everything. Sounds Ooh, great. That's really appealing. Holy. Draw a stick man. Epic 2 <laughs> comes to PS4. Imagination is the key as you enter a magical storybook land fill, uh, full of mystery and wonder, uh, unusual creatures and enigmatic puzzles. Create your own original stick man and then watch it come to life in Draw a Stick Man Epic 2 and the Drawn Below expansion. Okay. Driven Out comes to PS4. Driven Out is a challenging 2D side-scroller with deliberate combat and beautiful 16-bit retro aesthetic. A farmer is forced from our home into a dangerous world in upheaval, forced to fight dangerous, fantastical creatures. Felix the Reaper comes to PS4. Felix works at the Ministry of Death and is in love with Betty the Maiden from the Ministry of Life. He believes that going to the human world as a field reaper will enable him to one day meet her. Hence, he's taken the job of making sure people die and taught himself to dance to impress the love of this life. Oh. I love this. Yeah, it sounds like I love this. It reminds me of medieval. Yeah, it like sounds like weird, like gothic humor presence. Sounds like an interesting idea. The Fisherman Fishing Planet comes to PS4. <laughs> the gold standard for fishing games now available in a complete version with no microtransactions. Experience all the fun of the sport and hone your skills in single player or multiplayer mode. Exclusive content. The new map of, of Cruise in France. I guess that's how you say Cruise. it. The Cruise. Cruise. Gross. The trolling technique and four new fish. Gunvolt Chronicles. Yeah. Luminous Adventure IX comes to PS4. Good lord. Uh, get ready for the apex of 2D action. Any Creates brings you speedy and stylish 2D action, the likes of which you've never seen before. Experience the apex of 2D action with Luminous Adventure IX. Yeah, this Avenger looks, IX. This looks good. Uh, I love Gunvolt, so I'm really excited about that. Just ignore them, comes to PS4 and Vita. <laughs> Growing up, we all knew that one kid who was absolutely terrified of the dark and convinced that there were monsters hiding under his bed. But what if there? But what if it were true? Just ignore them is a point and click game that it revolves around a boy named Mark who is locked in a never ending chase to escape the monsters that pursue him. Sounds Good. interesting. I like that. That sounds cool. I like point and clicks. Mega Aquarium comes to PS4, a theme park management tycoon game with an aquatic twist. Design your displays, look after your fish, manage your staff, and keep your guests happy. It's all in a day's work as the curator of your very own Mega Aquarium. See, this is, these are the kinds of weird games that suck me in. It's like it's like that weird trucking game where I'm like, yeah. oh, I kind of want to play that. Good name, too. Monkey King Hero is back, comes to PS4. A new chapter in the Chinese legend of the journey to the West is about to unfold. Based on the animated film Monkey King Hero is back, this adaptation pits the great sage himself, Sun Wukong, newly freed after 500 years of imprisonment, with Lure, a young boy who looks up to the Monkey King in a journey that brings them close together. I think this is one of those Chinese-developed PlayStation games that we've been talking about recently. I could be wrong, but I believe that that, that is what it is. That's interesting. Mm. Maybe worth checking out for that reason alone. Outer Wilds comes to PS4, not to be confused with the Outer Worlds. Mm. I've, been, I've been getting these mixed up left and right. Yeah, no good. Uh, Outer Wilds comes to PS4. Outer Wilds is an open world mystery about a solar system trapped in an endless time loop. You're the newest recruit of the Outer Wilds ventures. A fledgling space program searching for answers in a strange, constantly evolving solar system. The planets are packed with hidden locations that change with the passage of time. Wow. Pig Eat Ball comes to PS4. <laughs> we actually got codes for this. The, the I list, see, yeah, I saw. A uh, listener 
of our show's friend or brother or something made this game. We'll, we'll see if we can check it out. Piggy Ball is a top-down action adventure about eating, getting fat, and barfing on things to solve, <laughs> solve levels. Explore 20 giant space stations and solve your way through over 200 action puzzles, uh, puzzle levels using new arcade-style mechanics. <laughs> I like that premise. Plants vs. Zombies Battle for Neighborville comes to PS4. Kick some grass! In Plants vs. Zombies Whoa. Battle for Neighborville, the wackiest shooter yet. Unearth 20 fully customizable character classes at launch in one social region, three free roam reason regions, one PvE mode, six PvP modes, including Battle Arena, and more! It's not how you sell your game. Yeah. You don't just list things off anymore. It's not, it's not an SNES box, okay? Yeah. Return of the Obra Din comes to PS4 in 1802, or as my history professors might have called it, 182. The merchant ship Obra Din set out from London for the Orient. Six months later, it hasn't met its rendezvous point and was declared lost at sea. In 1807, you don't like that, do you? No, I, it really yeah. it makes me deeply uncomfortable. The Obra Din drifted into port with damaged sails and no visible crew. Return of the Obra Din is a first-person mystery adventure based on exploration and logical deduction. I tried for a really long time to say dates like that because that is how a lot of historians say them, but I just couldn't do it. Yeah, it's no. pretty bad. I heard this game was really good, though. Stranded Sails, Explorers of the Cursed Islands comes to PS4. Stranded Sails, Explorers of the Cursed Island is an open-world exploration and farming adventure full of quests and discovery. You're shipwrecked on a mysterious archipelago. Is that archipelago? Archipelago, that's right. I used to say archipelago because it sounded way more fun to say. It's up to you to survive and solve the mysterious, the, uh, the mysteries deep in the heart of the islands, then finally escape. In Trailer Park Boys, they, they call jalapeno chips jalapeno, which I like. Jala oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a fun one. It's a really good one. The Jackbox Party 6. The Jackbox, the Jackbox Party Pack 6 comes to PS4. I can't fucking talk. <laughs> it's the wildest party pack yet with the absurd deathmatch trivia murder party 2. The weird word circus dictionarium. Yeah, I guess that's right. The hidden identity game push the button. The comedy contest joke boat and the offbeat personality test role models. Use your phones or tablets as controllers and pay, play with up to 10 players plus an audience of up to 10,000. Jesus Christ, that's neat. Reminds me of that Xbox 360. What was that Xbox 360 One versus game? 100. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. That I was fun, that yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. Oh, wow. What a weird... I'm remembering shit that I really have no reason to remember. The Ninja Saviors Return of the Warriors comes to PS4. Uh, recreate the golden era of 90s arcade games with Taito's impressive reboot of one of the best Japanese side-scrolling beat-em-up games of all time. Armed with diamond-sharp steel, android ninjas turn their bodies into raging cyclones, kicking and slashing through wave after wave of enemies in a dystopian future. Everything's dystopian. Yeah, everything. Even our... Well, is our game dystopian? Not really. No, not really. Mm -hmm. Travis Strikes Again No More Heroes Complete Edition comes to PS4. Travis Strikes Again, Beam Katana charged and ready. He's been sucked into the legendary Death Drive Mark II games console where anyone who collects all the death balls has their wishes granted, or do they? Plays Travis, bad man, and if you're a bad enough dude, even Shinobu and bad girl. Wands comes to PSVR. Wands is a first-person VR experience that offers fast-paced magic duels against other players online. Equip your wand with a wide variety of spells and battle other wielders for fame, power, and glory in the fantastic realms of the beyond. Explore new spells and hone your skills in your secret workshop in between battles. Gotta have a better name than that. Yeah, this is just uh, Harry Potter uh, LARPing. They should have just called it Harry Potter and seen if they got away with it. Yeah. No one would have noticed. Just it was spelled a... incorrectly? Yeah. yeah, like... <laughs> like with an E. Yeah. Harry. Yeah, with like an accent over it. Like Harry, Harry Patter. Harry po yeah, Harry Patter. 
Warzone VR comes to PSVR. Warzone VR is a first-person VR shooter that features large maps, drivable vehicles, an arsenal of weapons, and a progression system. The game has several modes, including solo, free-for-all, team, roam, and practice shooting range, where you can interact with and play with all of the weapons in the game. Warbital comes to PS4. I love that name. Uh, with the shifting gravity at work, aim your cannons, blast your enemies, and enjoy the fireworks. Warbital is a strategic, real-time artillery game in space peppered with a heavy dose of cosmic chaos the goal be the last civilization standing that's what we're trying to do here on earth right now yeah basically and finally chris zombie land double tap road trip comes to ps4 zombie land double tap road trip is a ridiculously fun top-down twin stick shooter featuring local co-op multiplayer for up to four players play as your favorite heroes from the original as well as new unlockable characters from the upcoming sequel is that based on the video game I guess this is or, I'm sorry the movie the movie yeah because the movies zombie land double this yeah is a movie I saw based a trailer game I saw a trailer for that it looks pretty funny it's like it's a it's a wacky ass zombie romp right is that how you would describe it yeah it looks all right the zombie it, looked, romp. It, it, it looks like borderlands <laughs> in a weird way to me <laughs> like that movie just the jokes in it yeah you know what I mean yeah. it's like ah you don't really want that not right now. Not yeah. when I'm so borderlands out, you know what I mean? Yeah, I Maybe we'll catch it in like a year. I'm very borderlands out. Yeah. I got to tell you, I'm, I kind of want to go back and play The Division again. They got a little bit of DLC going on in The Division now, some new quests. I didn't beat any of the quests on hard mode. There's a few things Might be worth take going care back. of. I really like that game a lot. It's a good game. Really like that game a lot. Chris, I only have five questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas for us to end with this week because we read so many of them at the top of the show. I don't want to keep you guys here forever. I know you have other things to do. I get a little annoyed when... I get annoyed by two things. I get actually I get annoyed by almost. Yeah, that's a, that's a ridiculous statement. That's, two things. Yeah, that's not true. But with, in this particular instance, I get annoyed by two things with podcasts. When I listen to podcasts that are like, "All right, we're running out of time. Uh, let's get this in," and I'm like, "Well, it's kind of arbitrary, right?" But then I get mad when the podcasts don't respect your time at all. Like yeah. I love Joe Rogan, but I think that are, there are some Rogan shows where I'm like, "You got to edit this shit." Like the, a lot of the stuff like is not. Really, yeah, you know, that's part of Rogan's thing though, is that he goes for so long. I know. I mean, I was on it twice and I went for three plus hours both times. Horrifying in the moment. That's right. You were on. Yeah. It's so weird. Yeah, it is weird. It's very weird. So, you know, I love that show. I was listening to the one this past week, actually, that released with the commander from the Navy who saw the UFO in the, over the Pacific Ocean. Did you see that? That, that was making around? I still haven't seen it yet. Oh, it's good stuff. Really good stuff. Really compelling, actually. But it was perfect because it was like an hour 45. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's perfect because I don't know that really I need condensed. to hear too much more about this. So I, 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 I'm only bringing that up because I don't want to have a arbitrary like, all right, we're running lo- long here. Like we used to do at IGN. It's like, all right, I've got to cut it off now because I have other things to do. That's Feel, not true. Yeah. But I, I want to respect people's time. Right. Right. Now, I just disrespected everyone's time by talking about that for a solid. Yeah, that could have been a, a question minutes. right there. Look what you did. I can't win. You can't win. I say I can't win. This life is loss. <laughs> life is pain, dude. Yeah. It's just pain. It's overeating. The sacred symbols of pain station podcast. <laughs> Sean H wrote into us and said, "Hey, Quailman Colin and Michelin Maldonado." Whoa, he actually brought out your last name. I wasn't he even did. expecting that. I've been doxxed. Your seldom used last name that yeah. is Puerto Rican, but kind of sounds Italian. It's definitely like it sounds Italian as hell. But then you go to Puerto Rico and there's like a million Maldonados, and you're like, "What the hell's going on Those here?" Are your people. Yeah. Are you afraid of having a large digital library as the industry moves more towards this trend? Take, for example, if Sony were to start doing terribly in the games arena and close down the PSN store and stopped producing games, we would lose our digital collection if they closed down. Far-fetched? Not so, as Sony was looking pretty bad during the PS3 era as a whole company. What say you? Thanks for the podcast. This is a great question, Sean. We've been talking about different angles of this, Chris. 
uh, talking about how having a catalog of games attracts you to a console because you can play them there natively. Now people are kind of stuck in their silos because of that. But the other side of this that we've been seeing with DuckTales Remastered taken down and then these other games taken down is some of this stuff is certainly ephemeral. And I do wonder, like, what happens if and when one of the manufacturers goes down or decides to not do this anymore? Do you lose everything? This is so hypothetical that my hypothetical answer to this is that that would never happen because a company would come in like a venture capital firm and be like, we're going to buy the PSN legacy systems and just keep them up forever yeah. so that people can have access and buy games still if they want to. You don't have to worry about it anymore. So I don't think that that would ever happen, but it's something worth thinking about. Yeah, I, I, I just think I've always viewed this as like a possibility. Like, oh, man, there could be a time where like my entire games library is completely shot. But honestly, like there's like maybe six games that I would be really be worried about not not being able to play again. It's the games that I always come back to. You know what I mean? I feel like I I have a bunch of games from like 2000 or like 1999. And I'm like, I have those, but I don't play them. You know what I mean? Some of them I, I tried to play recently. It's like, oh, they're scratched and broken. Is it really that much of a difference? You know, granted, they don't disappear. But I mean, I don't know. I, I think by the time all of this stuff happens, the games that we're worried about right now not being around are going to be like, eh, you could probably get it for cheap on PC. Right. Or like something like that. You know, you could probably get it for 10 cents on Amazon on disc. Or you can or, get it from 10 cent. <laughs> <laughs> when the Chinese uh, warships come uh, come knocking. I'm like that 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 video of that black kid getting into the car and laughing. You know that one? Yeah. And, then he, hits the button. <laughs> and he has like, he has a blanket on for some reason. God, I love the internet sometimes. It's great. It's great. I think about this the way I think about why I have cable television still. I have cable because it makes me it makes me comfortable knowing it's there, but I literally never use it. I use it to watch football and that's it. But I have these deep cable channels and I pay a lot of money for it. And I know that if I got rid of it, I'd be really annoyed that I didn't have it, even though I don't use it. And I think yeah. that that's the same kind of thing people would feel in this situation is it's not so much me wanting to go back and play, you know, Critter Crunch on PS3. It's the fact that I can go back and play Critter Crunch on PS3. And I, so I understand it from that perspective. No, because yeah. I'm never going to go back and play those games ever. It's never going to happen. But it would annoy me if I knew that I paid for them and they were they were gone. And that's why I think that there's probably a lot of different interesting solutions. Some we're not even thinking about, like Steam's not going to go anywhere, right? Valve is going to be there forever. So like what if PlayStation did go away or Xbox did go away and they made a deal where they just they just gave this server to this, these people that knew how to handle it and it was just a legacy server and you can access it for as long as your machines work. But that's the other problem is that your PS4 is not going to work in 20 years. I hate to tell you that. Like your PS3 is not going to work in, in in a few decades. It's way too many moving parts, you know, weathering and 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 moisture and heat and all this stuff. Your shit's in the attic, then it's in the basement. My PS1 still works. Actually, all my PlayStation units work as well still, but they're not going to work forever. It's much more likely that in 2050, you're going to find an Atari 2600 that plays games than it is that you're going to find a PS2 that plays games. And that's just the way it's going to go because there's no moving parts. You're shoving cartridges in to these things. So I think it's a multifaceted issue, but hopefully it's not going to be a concern because, you know, you don't want to be a corporate cheerleader, but Sony, Microsoft and and Nintendo aren't going anywhere. And so I understand, yes, Sony was in actually a really bad way in the mid aughts. They were in really bad shape because of PlayStation. Actually, they were bringing the whole fucking thing down. So, yeah, it's possible that we reach this disaster, but it's something worth thinking about. I think licensing agreements moving forward have to have really clever uh, conversations deep within them that talk about what happens if a system shuts down. Can people transfer their sales to another platform? All those kinds of things. We're, we've kind of begun to cross that bridge with cross play between yeah. systems. So that, that breach, the wall has been breached 
but only a few infantry can get through it right now. Eventually, that wall will maybe become blown open by, let's say, a tank, and then we can get some uh, some bigger machines in there and start really dealing with the problem in here. I lost that analogy a little bit as I was going. Eh, it works. Zach Veriet. Verrier. Zach Verrier. I don't, I'm, I don't know. Says, hey, Creaky Colin and Crust Gobbling Chris. Crust Gobbling? I don't what know if I like that one, crust? but I mean, hey, you know. Pizza of? crust? I would hope. It could be the crust of the earth, which we had already acknowledged last week is actually ravioli. That's ravioli right. Covering. So that would be very tasty. With all the hubbub about the PlayStation 5 and the associated rumors and small disclosures we have, what sort of peripherals would you like to see supported? I love the PlayStation branded HOTAS joystick that worked perfectly for me for games like with Elite Dangerous. Do you think backwards compatibility will extend to this sort of peripheral? What do you think of mouse support or anything else that you would like to have see your gaming experience better? The PlayStation 2 seem to be the last big experiment in custom peripherals with games like Steel Battalion. I think of Steel Battalion in terms of Xbox, first of all. And if people don't know what Steel Battalion yeah. is, go just go look that up. That peripheral was ridiculous. Go ahead and just take a look at that. Fucking awesome. I mean, I, I cannot believe how cool it was. It was like the rock band drum set before the rock band drum set existed in the sense But way that, cooler. Yeah, way cooler. But in the sense that it's... So Steel Battalion was, as I remember, a Capcom game. Mm. And it was an Xbox exclusive at first. And what they made was this... It was a mech game where you piloted a mech. So they made the internal cockpit that you had to buy with the game. I think you couldn't play the game without it. And it was so cool. And you like had like these switches to flip and all these buttons and joysticks. It was a super neat idea. Are you going to see anything like that in the future? Definitely not, because even with Rock Band and Guitar Hero, they attempted to come back, as you guys might recall, and didn't. It, people were like, "We can't do this again." Yeah, people and, don't want. People really don't want a lot of nonsense, especially as their games are becoming digital. I feel like there's less tolerance for stuff that's just going to take up space in people's houses. Uh, a, a Rock Band drum set sold well when you had SingStar mics and you know, f you know, fighting, uh, you know, what is it, the arcade cabinet, yeah, yeah, sticks, uh, yeah, like sticks the, but the, like, yeah. But like now, or like iToys and like Connect, but like now it's it's just so, people like sleekness, people like simplicity, people like knowing that everything that they need is in the box. And you're probably not going to see a lot of peripherals moving forward unless they're just kind of like extraneous optional things. I know that there probably will be like a keyboard and mouse thing eventually. I know there's one for the Xbox already, or, or at least they, they work in some capacity. So I'm sure eventually that'll, that'll be a thing, but it's never going to go to the to the degrees that it, that it has. Like well, PSVR is like the biggest, the most. Yeah, that's that's actually a great point, Chris. The, the PSVR is a peripheral and it's Sony's most important peripheral. What I've noticed out of Sony is that they just refuse to make first party hardware. Yeah, <laughs> they don't do the <laughs> they elite, make an elite they controller. Yeah, you know, they let these other companies do it. And I, I think that's a mistake. So I think that they have to really get that, you know, within the realm of of reason that we get more robust controllers. And like I said, customizable controllers. I have a Jets and Islanders colored PS4 DualShocks, but that's just vaguely like I would love to get a Jets controller. I would love I'd pay money for that. Like and how many people wouldn't I'd pay a hundred dollars for that controller. Like just like let's let's get going on this and and make that happen. So it's just funny that in his question he brought up you know, his joystick peripheral, which is like one little thing. And then he brought up Steel Battalion, which is probably the biggest example of a peripheral ever. So there's big space in there. And uh, in between, like Chris said, you have all the connects and the eye toys and everything like that, the PlayStation Move controllers. I think that you're going to continue to see the smaller stuff. I think mouse and keyboard is going to be baked in the PS5. And I'd, I'd be really disappointed if they didn't sell their own mouse and keyboard for that. I just think you have to have that. And you have to have that. 
like we've talked about in the past, Kerbal Space Program didn't work on PS4. They actually took it down and re-released it because it was so bad. But it would be cool to play a game like City Skyline or something that was like actually these new RPGs, these CRPGs are coming out like Baldur's Gate and stuff that are made for mouse and keyboard. And they're obviously going to be working on controller. But it would just be cool to have that out of the box. I mean, it would be even cooler if the console came with that stuff. But the last time I had a keyboard for a console was a Dreamcast. That was yeah. the last time I had one. Mm-hmm. That, was the only, I, that was the only one that launched with and, one. And I used to write notes to people on the bottom of the screen while I was playing NBA 2K. It was a good time. Probably <laughs> not very weird, nice notes. Such a weird system. It's, it was awesome. You could have email on SegaNet. Do you remember where you could buy the internet? You can buy the internet. When you could buy that disc? Oh, yeah, and go on. It was a web browser. It was You bought a yeah. disc for a web browser yes. on the fucking Dreamcast. Sega was always ahead of the game with this shit, man. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, you must remember, I don't know if you remember, do you remember the Sega channel uh, that you could connect the Genesis, yeah. Genesis with? So there was, like, for people that don't know, again, look up Steel Battalion, look up Sega channel. Sega channel was really ahead of its time. It was a VOD or a, I guess you would say GOD gaming on demand thing that hooked into Genesis, I think, with a phone line and you could like basically download games. And that was the only way you could play the Mega Man remake, uh, Wily Wars, which is actually coming out, I think, soon again. I think it's going to be built into the Genesis. That's crazy. Yeah. That they did that. That is like so super unbelievably cool. ahead of the curve. It's super cool. Yeah, it reminds me too of the SNES had Satellaview, which was a thing that was only in Japan where you can hook it up your SNES or your Super Famicom to the internet and share things and share yeah. art and get like stock quotes and shit. And it's, it was like, it's like, well, and there was another thing. You guys want something really weird. On SNES and Genesis, there was a third party peripheral called X-Band. X-B-A-N-D. You guys can go look this up. It was a way to connect phone lines to your SNES and Genesis so you can play third-party games competitively. So people would play like Street Fighter 2 and Mortal Kombat and these other games. Mario Kart, I think, was one of them over these really crude 28.8K baud modems. Some There was some shit happening back in the day. If I was one of those guys that was like the, the chief of the Sega channel or I was like, it, I came up with the X-Band, I'd be like, what the fuck? You know, like we were so ahead of the curve. That happens a lot. Like it it's inter- it's interesting to see like what companies like because there are avenues where companies are just way too ahead of the curve for it to really matter. Right. Any, like I, I know Microsoft was like that with tablets. They came out with tablets before most people had laptops, and it's like, everybody's like, why? Why would I ever want a tablet? It's two thousand. I know. It's it's a t- <laughs> it's a tale as old as time, man. I mean, Xerox is probably the most famous company with that. They made virtually everything that a computer still runs on today from ethernet to gui to the mouse they made that in the 70s and basically gave it all away because they didn't they didn't want to hurt their paper business which is fucking awesome um and of course you have uh examples like palm pilot i mean the company palm which doesn't exist anymore made the smartphone you know 20 something years ago and it was too ahead of its time so it's funny how that works timing is everything it is it really is all right let's move on to the next one here Joe Goddard wrote into us and said, hey, CNC, with the new console generation, I was curious where you think the sales of these new consoles will end up in a few years. Will PS5 outsell the PS4? Will Xbox be more successful? And how much will Stadia sell? Just curious to hear your thoughts. Keep up the good work. So let's set the stage, Chris. Let's set okay. the sales stage. PS1 sold about 102 million units. PS2 sold about 155 million units. PS3 petered out at about 83 million units. PS4 is at 100 million units and, and going still. PSP at about 80 million. Vita at about 15 million. And then Xbox, the original Xbox, I think, was at 25 million. Xbox 360 was about 85 million. Xbox One, we think, is about between 40 and 50 million. So that's where everything stands. I guess we could throw in the Wii. Wii's at about 100 million. Wii U, about 15 million. Switch, I think, 40 million-ish, 35 million. So that's where we stand right now. Chris, how are these new consoles going to sell? I, this is an interesting 
I, I think Stadia is not even worth talking about, to be honest. <laughs> I think I think Stadia is. I, I predict that Stadia is going to launch and it's going to work, but like I just don't think the appeal is there for most people to even try it out. Honestly, I, like not for me anyway. So I'm not I'm not going to talk to that, especially because we don't really have a precedent for that kind of thing. But the the Xbox and PlayStation ecosystem is is interesting because you presume that because PlayStation won this generation and because there's so much. So many people on it and so many machines out in the wild and so many games that are locked to profiles that are on the service that you would assume that a lot of that win would carry over to the next generation. But something that I I, I hadn't thought about until actually like earlier today while I was in the Uber was it would make like the success of the PS4 is almost kind of like a problem for the PS5 in, in, in the way that it's easier to convince someone to go from an Xbox One to the next Xbox than it would be for someone to drop a console that is this good for something that they're not sure about, which is something that I hadn't thought about until today. It kind of dovetails with the conversation we had a little bit last week about how do you convince someone to get a PS5 when the PS4 is so good? The PS3 wasn't a good console. I mean, we loved it. And I had Stockholm Syndrome galore with that thing. And we talked about how when I've gone back and played Resident Evil 4 and the last one's like, this thing sucks. You know, it, but we didn't know at the time, right? Yeah. We knew that there was something wrong with it, which is what made it so easy to go to PS4. But I agree with you completely in, in terms of what we talked about last week. That is a problem. And I think the only way you can circumnavigate this problem is for them to be able to confidently say, this is what we were talking about with backwards compatibility before, not this weird shit coming out of Japan right now about how they're trying to make it work. Yeah, they're trying to achieve compatibility. They're trying to achieve full compatibility. Good Lord. You fucking better. The best way to do it is to say, listen, everything this machine does, the PS4 does, is already in the PS5. Everything. It's going to be the exact same thing, just way better with way more capabilities. So you're not going to lose anything. Because when we moved from PS3, we did lose some stuff. We lost the ability to play PS1 classics. We couldn't hook our Vita into the PS3 to download games anymore. We had a different store experience. We had different friends list and trophies experiences. Games that were working on PS3 couldn't, at the time, send your saves to PS4. All of that stuff, that was a problem. If you can go and say, like, none of that's going to be a problem with the PS5. Literally, everything works. Don't be scared of our weird cryptic Japanese press releases. Everything's fine. We're going to be good to go. I think that's how you sell. But even then, I think they have a problem. And I think you're right. I think Xbox's problem is way less pronounced. Because if I were an Xbox fan, I'd be quite eager to get onto the next console. While if I was an Xbox 360 gamer, which I really wasn't, I wouldn't have been that eager to get on Xbox One because it was working pretty well on yeah. the 360. I remember I was not. I remember being like, I, I remember like feeling like, oh, it's been a long time, but I remember being like, the 360 works so well. I don't see why I would, <laughs> I don't see why I would need. <laughs> when it's not killing itself. Right. You know. Exactly, when it wasn't red ringing and all Which that I mean, hey, you know, I can relate. Yeah, I mean, who, you Yeah, know, I mean. You have a, uh, I'm pointing at the sticker you gave me on my wall for the kill me sticker. Um, Chris, uh, you're still selling those, right? The, yeah, yeah. Chris is selling shirts and stickers, et cetera, that have the Seinfeld logo, but it's kill me instead of Seinfeld. Which I love that. Near, I love near it. Near and dear to my, my fucking dark heart. So uh, maybe not to you guys as well out there. But yeah, Chris, you're absolutely right. And this letter is really on point. I, I don't know what they're going to do. And I think that you can be the victim of your success. This does happen. It's happening actually with uh, smartphones right now. If you guys read about that stuff, about how smartphone companies, whether it's Google with their various Android partners or with Apple, they're really eagerly pursuing emerging markets because we don't fucking need smartphones anymore in the United States. No one's buying them. Like you don't need them anymore. They, they've they made them so good. I have an iPhone 8, for instance. I think you have an iPhone, what, 9 or whatever. Did they even do a 9? I have the, the whatever the newest thing. 10? 10X or whatever the fuck. So, like, I'm I'm good. 
I, I, like when my phone breaks or it's like becoming a real problem for me, then I'll move on. But that's a problem for Apple. And that's a problem for Google. It's a big problem, actually. And uh, especially now that phone manu- phone companies don't um, supplement their prices anymore. It's, a, it's actually a really big problem. So Sony's going to encounter these similar problems. And I wonder if they're going to be able to elevate themselves in places like Brazil, the Middle East, uh, maybe India, stuff like that, yeah. where these, you know, Brazil is a bit of a problem because of their their fierce protectionist economy, which makes consoles really expensive. But that might be the place where they need to start poking and prodding around a little bit, because if you're poking and prodding around uh, the UK, Western Europe, the United States, Canada, I don't know that you're going to find incredible amounts of eager gamers looking for these consoles, but I hope I'm wrong. I hope one or both of these consoles sell like gangbusters immediately because it'll be a great sign for our ecosystem. But I'm not pricing will be everything here in games, but I'm not so convinced they're going to see this. It same all hinges results. on the reveal. Yeah. Like the reveal will make or break the system, as we saw with the Xbox One reveal. Like that ruined it, it I think, irreparably for the rest of the generation. No doubt. 100%. No I doubt remember being like, what is this? <laughs> like, it was awful. It was ridiculous. I remember what I remember it. I remember, first of all, I was at the PS4 reveal. I watched the Xbox One on TV, and I still remember the Xbox One reveal better. Because I was like, wowzers. This is, first of all, this thing's the size of a 1986 VCR, number yeah. one. Number two, the fuck are you talking it wasn't about? Even that. It was like, ah, Xboxes are always big. But like, the thing is, it's like, man, you, are you serious? Like, I, I already hated <laughs> Matrix for so many years before that, but that, that like really cemented it. I was like, oh, we got a machine uh, for people who don't have online capabilities. It's called Xbox 360. It's like, wow, good. Yeah, good. Real good, good job. Good stuff. Meanwhile, their console, the original Xbox, was uh, a marquee console that that was made integrating the internet so vital. You know what I mean? Like that you would, you would, they put an Ethernet port onto their console long before Ethernet was proliferated around the United States. It just came into my neighborhood the year before, and I lived in a metropolitan area. Yeah. So it, sh- it was, that was really a strange one because I'm like, you guys were always at the forefront. Even with their Microsoft's involvement with Dreamcast and Sega in the late 90s, they were always on the forefront. Yeah. Remembering, of course, that Dreamcast ran Windows that I think it ran Windows CE, which is what was that century edition or whatever? Yeah. Or was, custom, I don't know. Or is it custom edition? No, no, no. I don't know what the hell it was. But nonetheless, I, I, that that was weird to me because I was like, they were always about being like ahead of the curve and, and, and reaching a handout yeah. and being like, we're taking you with us. This is where we And then we're they going. were like, and then this one was like, Cable. Like, are you fucking serious? Yeah, I, 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 a good buddy of mine worked at Microsoft for a long time. He works at Google now on Stadia. And so I would only be really exposed to Xbox when I would go. I'd usually go stay with him in Seattle for a few days at a time. And just using his Xbox One, I was like, this thing is so bloated. I mean, it's the cable box is hooked into it and uh, there's a camera looking. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? And that was what was so crazy about the rumor about Sony maybe looking at, you know, eyeing a camera as being an integrative part of PS5. I'm like, guys, even if that's even if that's what you want, I mean, the camera was an important part of PS4 with streaming from the very beginning. Just go f- actually, as you might you guys might recall, there was a significant shortage of PlayStation cameras for like a year because they didn't manufacture any because they didn't think anyone cared. So you got to let the market dictate. And maybe sometimes like with the camera, you lose out on some sales, but at least you don't you're not sitting on a warehouse full of the shit trying to sell it. Bad idea. Very bad idea. Chris, two more questions to get through. Let's do it. Scrolling down here. Scrolling down. My my Google Doc keeps resetting for some reason, and it's uh, building a fury in me. It's annoying, isn't it? Zach Wishnuff said, hello, seamen. We never got that one before. With media companies conglomerating in order to control or gain control of more IP, 
Do you see the video game industry getting brought into the fold? Perhaps companies like Apple and Disney start buying video game studios in order to bolster that segment of media for them, as well as gain that IP. With Apple releasing Apple Arcade, they have the cash on hand to acquire major developers such as EA or Bethesda. Maybe Disney could buy Nintendo in their future as the character as their characters more closely align with their current IP and video game development seems to be the one media sector that they are lacking in. Also, this is probably the only type of acquisition Disney could make without getting handed an antitrust lawsuit. Appreciate your insight. This is a great question, Zach. I will say that you're getting a little bit ambitious with how much you think these things are going to cost. Apple, could they technically afford Electronic Arts and Bethesda? Yeah, Uh, it was it's going to fucking cost them. And those are not insignificant purchases even for a company with billions of dollars of cash on yeah hand, so nintendo i think is a pipe dream yeah nintendo's not going anywhere they're, they're not gonna no, no one's gonna buy nintendo uh remember that and i think i've talked about this in the past that microsoft made an overture to buy nintendo in the 90s um which is a not a very well told story i think it's actually something that awada might have talked about a little bit before he passed a couple of years ago and bill gates has talked about it but that before they really started getting i think seamus black or whatever those guys like in the beginning yeah we're getting xbox together that they tried to buy nintendo to see if Nintendo would buy, make the hardware, uh, basically. So that's an interesting story. And so those kinds of things are possible. Uh, but Nintendo was much smaller than Microsoft had a much. There was much more of a disparity. Microsoft's a bigger company today. But I look at this, you know, my brother Dagan has always brought up the idea that Disney should buy Capcom. And I was always really intrigued by that because that seemed to have been a sale that made a great deal of sense. Not only going back to Capcom's relationship with Disney going back to the 80s, they made all of the great Capcom Disney games, obviously like DuckTales and, yeah. and all of that. But that that there's a lot of interesting fusion with those two brands, pre-Fox, pre-Marvel. Disney seemed to make a lot of sense with uh, Capcom. And so if there was one dream sale that I would actually like to see, even though I fucking hate Disney now uh, because of everything they've bought up, Capcom seems to be the company that makes a lot of sense, but they kind of probably lost their window because Capcom's in a resurgence now. So yeah. they're worth a lot more. If, if if a company went, a big company, Chris, went to Capcom during their wounded period 10 years ago, I think someone could have purchased them. And I remember that there was like rumors that EA was looking into it and all that kind of stuff, but that ship has sailed. Uh, would you like to see any of these conglomerates kind of gobble these other companies? No, up? I don't. I, I'm getting sick of it, honestly. I'm getting sick of hearing just so-and-so acquired this and like what that means for whatever. I just, I'm, it's annoying. I don't get happy when I hear that news. I'm just like, oh, good. Now another fucking thing that I got to keep track of. I don't think any of these companies being together, like I don't think Disney, Fox, and a Marvel being under the same umbrella is good for any of those companies. No. Or any of those brands. I think people think that right now. I think you're going to see what that really looks like in 10 or 20 years. But I don't want private, quiet equity coming in and purchasing these companies either because it works out to be the same thing in the end. You want control. And if a company like Disney comes in and offers Capcom control and freedom, that's great. But they're not going to offer them control or freedom. They're going to run Street Fighter into the ground. They're going to run Monster Hunter into the ground. No, exactly. They're going to run Mega Man into the ground, just like they've run Marvel into the ground, just like they're currently running Star Wars into the ground just like they're currently running literally everything they touch into the ground. And as a creative person, see, this is the thing that's confusing to me is that I'm a creative person. I, I like to create things. I also like to uh, indulge in, in in creative endeavors. And I like to, we're making a game where we're, we create our podcasts. Uh, I love to write. I love doing all those things. Chris likes to make his YouTube videos that don't mention me. He likes to <laughs> do all those kinds of things. And, you know, to me, I, I look at it and I'm like, as a creative person, I don't understand outside of, the immediate financial gain, what you get out of being with these companies. You you just get less, yeah. right? You just get less freedom. You're ultimately going to get less meaningful Marvel. You're ultimately going to get less meaningful Star Wars. They, they cannot, you cannot walk and chew gum to this extent. 
it's just I don't think it's going to be possible. Yeah, so, I agree. So be careful what you wish for. I know that this is a hypothetical and you're not necessarily wishing for anything. But Zach, just be careful anyway, please. Teddy Bear Syrup has the last inquiry. Says, hey, boys, I will never get over how much of a piece of garbage the PlayStation Store is. I acquired the DLC for Spider-Man back when it first came out. I still hadn't played the third part and decided to today. Why don't make why don't they make it as simple as drilling down into the game on the cross media bar and have a section with DLC I've paid for but haven't downloaded? Instead, you have to go into the store and search through 100 different versions of eight Spider-Man movies to find the third part of the DLC and download it from there. It is it is truly bad. I will agree with you there. Teddy Bear Syrup. It ain't good. It's not a pleasant experience. The The user experience for the PlayStation Store is pretty bad. I was... It's not great. On Vita, uh, you know, people have been trying to get me to play Trails of Cold Steel, which is, you know, a pretty beloved JRPG series. So I went and, and I already owned it on Vita, so I went and downloaded it off my download list. Couldn't find it in my download list. It's buried. The download list has all these nonsense dates that don't make any sense anymore. So then I went into the store and I searched for Trails of Cold Steel, right? And... I shit you not, people with Vita out there, go look for yourselves. 150 pieces of DLC came up before it showed me any of the games. And there's two of them on Vita. It was like this outfit, the autumn uh, celebration, the uh, the watch theme. I'm like, where is the fucking game? Why isn't that at the top? If I were, I think Xseed publishes that game. If I were Xseed, I'd be like, guys, what are you doing? I, we could have. Put, how many sales did they lose like because people sim- can't I, find the game? I feel like a simple algorithm change of just like if you search for something, the highest. Uh, what is it? The um, the bigger, the biggest, the biggest file should be at the top. Yeah, so it always bring up the game. So it always bring the up the game. It's never going to bring up like uh, like a like a, a horse armor or anything like a that. A theme or whatever. A yeah. theme. It, dude, it was so obnoxious on Vita. I was like, this is crazy. And because I can't plug my Vita into the PS4 like I could with PS3, see. PS3 allowed us to search and download games for Vita onto the console and then send them to the Vita, which PS4 doesn't allow you to do for some reason. That's that's confusing to me, too. But you can you can play remotely with your Vita on PS4. Can't do that on PS3. It's like, oh, OK, well, that sounds wonderful. Uh, so there's just a lot of weird confusion. And I agree with you. I, I find that frustration on the store all the time. It's just so inelegant. And I don't know who the fuck is looking for the horse armor theme when they're looking for Skyrim. If I type in Skyrim. Show me Skyrim. <laughs> yeah, I right? know. It's insane. I feel like I can't. I feel like looking through the store is just like not that you should enjoy doing something that's so menial, but it's specifically unenjoyable. It's mm. like specifically a shitty experience to do it, it's which no it good. shouldn't be. It should be a very indifferent experience. Yeah, you should, it, you should go onto the store, search for search for the thing. You find the thing, you download the thing and you feel nothing when you do it. <laughs> That's what you should. I just want to feel nothing. Instead, right. I, instead, I feel rage. Exactly. And disappointment. My baseline is feeling nothing, and that's where I'd like to stay. I yeah. think that's what Chris is saying. I think Chris agrees. It, it is it is problematic. I, I just look at I mean, we're releasing our game soon. Now, we're not going to have any. Well, not soon, but we're going to have our game out there. We're not going to have any DLC for it, so it's going to be easy enough to find. But I, as a, you know, I guess we're developers now and publishers of games. Like I'm like, I want people to be able to buy that game as easily as possible with as few steps as possible. Why doesn't the PlayStation store work? Why do I have to go to network settings and test the internet connection to make it work? Then I go in and search. It's showing me all the Spider-Man movies. I don't want any of the Spider-Man movies. I want the Spider-Man DLC. It's showing me the third DLC first. It's like, what in the fuck is going on here? And a lot of designing. this. And a lot of what's interesting too, is that a lot of the, um, there's a lot of aspects to the way the, the UI in general work that are not really consistent across like the, the cross media bar, the way that works isn't consistent with the store. 
isn't consistent with PS Now. I actually uh, got a PS Now thing. Nice. Did you buy a year? Yeah, I just yeah, figured out well. why not. For $59.99, right? Yeah, it's reasonable. Right. So, how so do you it's like, Xbox Live. How do you like the uh, experience? It's got a really great selection of games, but I, one thing I did notice is that like everything, you you can tell. You can tell it looks worse than it would be. if it, Even if they're old games, it's like, okay, these are old games. They're not going to look great. So you're playing it streaming? Yeah, I was streaming. Oh, okay. Cool. I was streaming the games, and it's like on a hard line connection, it worked relatively all right. I didn't see anything. It worked better than I expected it to. But one thing that I couldn't get over was just like I couldn't get over this muddiness that I kept noticing. It's not like it's not like 900p or something like that. It's just it ebbs and flows, which is like the distracting Uh, thing. Yeah, Yeah, and it's like oh man, I it's cool that you you can play a lot of these games because a lot of these games aren't available anyway, any anywhere. Like I haven't seen these games on uh, Xbox One's backward backward compatibility either. Like uh, (laughs) Eat Lead, I saw. Wow, Matt Hazard. Yeah, Matt Hazard. (laughs) That was a uh, that was a thing and stuff like that. Like, there's a lot of like gems. Like, Wet is on there, which is cool. Yeah, that's a um, uh, that's a that's the published game. Yeah, so there's the good stuff on it, but I don't know. I I have to mess around with it more. I th- I feel like the fidelity of it is going to bother me, even if they are old games and they're not supposed to look as good. Well, and since you're playing the PS3 games, you can't natively download them. So that's the thing. It's like, well, that's the only reason you would, you know, that's the only reason you would get PS now. That's, re- theoretically, that, that's why now has that's why PS5 has got to work with PS3. It has to, yeah. So that we have the option to download. Because I games. can, I can play, and I guess the Xbox has this weird advantage of like even the original Xbox outputted to like a, a relatively high res compared to the consoles that were out at the time. But like when I play Splinter Cell on my Xbox One, the original one, the downloaded file. It looks like an old game, but it's sharp, and it looks great. It looks like an up-res. It looks like somebody re-released it, and it just it bothers me that that experience isn't available on on this ecosystem. It's it's such a weird, glaring omission to me. Yeah, there, it's I agree with you completely, and I think that they're ramping up. I think that I, let's this hope is, so. Let's hope getting... that weird uh, wording of uh, my God, man. <laughs> I, that 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 press release is strange because I I just don't understand. Why you would it, say that? Yeah, I mean, I do understand why because they haven't gotten enough work, and they're don't running, out of, and they're running out of time. Don't admit that. Don't say anything like that. I, I would rather they don't say anything about it than say something like that. Yeah, it's like, it would we're, be better. We're it, working to achieve compatibility with PlayStation Four. Yeah, it's it's your own console, and and as far as I, you know, that X eighty six was supposed to be easy to to make backwards compatible, and it would be better for them to have not said anything now, and then if it was still a problem in the summer or something, to be like, hey, here's a list of games that we were having a problem with. You know, and it would probably be like a handful of games. It probably won't even be that big of a deal. Right. You know, uh, it's very similar to what they were doing when they were listing the PlayStation Now, I think, downloadable games versus the games that weren't able to be downloaded. And they had a really concise list. Actually, the bigger thing was when they changed the PlayStation Network names and they had a list of games that worked and a list of games that didn't. You, You can simply just they're creating problems because it's very, you know, they can say it was a mistranslation, but it's not. It's what it says. And uh, people that are Japanese or read Japanese have translated it. And it doesn't say anything other than we're working on it. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll so we'll see. see how it all goes. PlayStation now. I got to get that as well. I do like to subscribe. I want to I want to support them. I want to show support for it because I, I want to show them that it it does mean something that we're trying to get this going. And I think they're trying to ramp it up. I think this is going to be yeah. PS now is going to be a big part of PlayStation 5. I think that's so Without obvious. Doubt, yeah. You know, um, you should you should you should check it out. I see how uh, see how you find the streaming thing. I will do that because uh, I will say the latency is not nearly as bad as I was expecting it to be, which is cool. That's super impressive. I'll Although it also that. spells like why Stadia at all. Yeah. At that point. Well, it's, that's uh, the other reason why I think that they're ramping up now. Now, as well as because Stadia is some sort of latent threat. You might you might as well take a swing at them while you can before they get a exactly, foothold, yeah. even if you're not really that worried about them. 
All right, Chris, that's all we have for this episode of Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. Before we go, uh, I, just as a random recommendation, but I've been watching the Amazon Prime series, uh, Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan. Mm-hmm. And uh, it stars John Krasinski from The, uh, Office. the Office. And uh, I really like it. It's really fun. It's a little silly, but it reminds me. I mean, this isn't a huge surprise because it's the Tom Clancy IP or whatever, or Tom Clancy character, but it reminds me of watching a Ubisoft video game. And, and what I mean by that is, it's like this really action oriented, these really interesting villains. And it's cool. I think that people that like video games will like that show. I think it's very, very easy to watch. Doesn't require great deep geopolitical knowledge or anything like that. Um, and I love Tom Clancy too. Uh, RIP, of course. Yeah. So I just wanted to throw that out there. I yeah. think that that's a, it's a, it's a TV series for video game players. In that's my cool. Yeah. So check it out. Uh, Chris, we will see you on, uh, well, actually we'll be recording Sacred Symbols Plus episode 11, all about the Chinese situation. And then we'll see you next week for episode 69 as well. Thank you all out there for listening to us and for your support, your kindness, your generosity. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Take care, guys. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is a product of and a registered trademark of Collins Last Stand LLC and is recorded right here in sunny Santa Monica, California, USA. The show is conceived by, is written by, and is produced by me, Colin Moriarty. My co-host is Chris Raygun. You can find me on Twitter at NoTaxation and on Instagram at CLS Moriarty. Chris is on Twitter at Chris R. Gunn and on Instagram at Chris underscore Ray underscore Gunn. Sacred Symbols is edited by Dustin Furman. Any snail mail can be sent to the CLS P.O. Box, P.O. Box 1233, Santa Monica, California, 90406. To message the show online, please use Patreon's DM service. As you know, all of Colin's Last Stand shows, including Sacred Symbols, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash Stand. The following names are at the producer level or higher on Patreon, and we are eternally grateful for your kindness, generosity, and fandom. Chris Adams, Carlos Algarit, Morgan Ashley, Saul Balcazar, Taylor Barkley, Adam Barnes, Martin Beck, Tyler Bello, Mark Boggio, Barrett Boswell, Spencer Brand, Miguel Brewer, Lennon Brixey, Eric R. Brown, Jason Budnick, Josh Bushing, Austin Bullock, Dylan Burns, Chris Buston, Nick C., Alex Cabrera, Patrick Harper, William O'Carroll, Brian Chan, Sean Chandler, David Chestnut, Rodney Coleman, Simon Conception, Brad Cooley, John Cordero, Gio Corsi, Nick Cottrell, Philip Crone, Daniel D'Amour, Colin Davenport, Knight Draft, David Ellis, Liam Fagan, Jerome Ferreira, Joe Finelli, Eric Finkenbeiner, Chris Galvin, Connor Gashian, Alex Gates, Michael Gates, Salem Ghanem Al Ghanem, Tyler Goodwin, Josh Gravelick, Miranda Grubba, Jonathan H., Eric Harden, Tyler Harris, Kyle Hagel, Shane Hendrickson, Wyan Henry, Robbie Hensley, Scott Hernandez, Asa Haas, Johnny Humphrey, Stephen Insler, Blake Israel, Azan Isa El Ricey, Josh Yeager, Garrett Jaggard, Joshua Jonathan, Paul Joyce, Greg Juletz, Anton Kay, Patrick Kelly, Jeremy Key, Antti Kinnanen, James Kinslow III, Ryan R. Kittredge, Jackson Lostaqua, Joe Lawson, Don Q. Lee, Matthew Lenz, Patrick Leslie, Dustin Lewis, Keith Adrian Lewis, Chad Lewis, Lou and Ray Loper, Colin Love, Scott Lovelace, Josh M, Kiet Mai, Ryan T. Mandel, Ross Maranka, Matt Martin, Sean Mason, Jordan Mouse, Zachariah McAdoo, John McCarthy, Josh McKinney, Joe McPartland, Raul Melendez, Andrew Mendoza, Chris Moore, Betty Ann Moriarty, Ryan Murdoch, Adam Nix, Donnie Nolan, George Anthony Nunez, Brian Ott, Jesse Owen, Jorge Palomino, Andrew Parker, Zach Parsley, Daniel Parsons, Marius S. Peterson, Gerald Pennington, Matthew Perdue, Enrique Perez, Jason Pettit, Travis Plymel, Jeff Pollard, Louis Powell, Lawrence F. Prokop, Nathan R., Ryan Reeves, Michael Renner, Peter Reynolds, Shane Rayum, Jonathan Rice, Mark Richardson, Daniel Rivas, Petro Rose, A.G. Rowe, Jose Salinas, John Scholes, Michael Shanholtz, Toby Schutman, Alex Schutt, Glennon Cole Simper, Joshua Smallwood, Shane St. Pierre, Ahmad Tamar, Will Thielander, Ben Thompson, Carl Tolman, Alan Trembley, Michael Vecchio, Oakley Waldron, Justin Wagaman, Troy Walters, Connor Walton, Isaac Wasteman, Damon Weathers, Mike Wayant, David Wright, Corey Wyatt, Tony Zuniga, Bloody Fang, Organic Produce, Casual Misfits 
Gaming, Homeworld Hub, Mason, Throw7, McDog18, Infinite, Madmock Media, Not Your Real Dad, Mubarak, Chris, Richter86, Hugo's Desk, Andrew, Ian, Chris, Dav9834, and Rainick.